2: in three, two, one.
1: We are in no position to be able to defend
3: ourselves in any way whatsoever. Ireland is defenceless.
4: Every time that it happens, we have to talk about how the good men feel.
3: Help
1: us. Without backing us, putting it on the air and telling the people how important it is, then they wouldn't have gone anywhere. We're the one for Cork and ready to talk. Can
2: we just talk?
1: Call 0818-969696. Text WhatsApp 83 396
2: Email opinion at 96fm.ie.
1: The lines are live. Let's
2: kickstart the conversation.
1: This is The Opinion
5: Line with PJ Coogan.
2: On Cork's 96fm.
5: Coming up later this morning, the story of a woman who's currently languishing in jail when in actual fact she should be receiving treatment for her mental health issues but no such treatment is available. Therefore, she has ended up in prison. I'll be talking to her sister later on this morning. Also, people have been contacting us in the last few days about power outages. And when the power goes out, how much notice do you get? How much notice are you entitled to get? And there is a very useful app that the ESB has called Power Check, where you can find out if power cut is going to affect you or is affecting you. And also, better notifications. People want better notification from Irish Water as to when their water's going to be out or changed or brown, as happens a lot of the time. Plus, we did a few more calls yesterday relating to scams that are happening out there. That every For every day of the week, there's a scam. And we've had a, another couple of calls about those. That and so much more to do between now and midday. But let me go first uh, once again to Elaine Dunn, who is Chair of the Federation of Early Childhood Providers. We've talked to Elaine several times about the crisis in child care and early providers. We had great news yesterday on the show that Stepping Stones in Farrenry has been saved. It's been taken over and will reopen. And that's great, great news. But there are many other little providers like it around the country, really, really struggling. And Elaine, the last time she was on with me, spoke to me about Stepping Stones and how familiar she was with the problems they were having and I'm sure she'd be delighted to hear that it has been saved but I imagine that she'll also be able to tell me that there are so many more like it that could hit the wall tomorrow if they haven't hit it already Morning Elaine
6: Good morning uh, PJ, thank you for having me
5: on That is the situation we've saved Stepping Stones but there are so many more in dire trouble and that's why you're going to have another protest
6: yeah, we just have heard protests now and it's a much bigger one. I believe we'll have better numbers. Um, there's a lot more coming out, speaking vocally as well to local TDs and just expressing our dismay at the lack of the government, our department's consultations around this. Um, we had spoken to Michael McGrath a few weeks ago hoping that something was going to give, but nothing, we've heard nothing back so far. Um, we are looking for a meeting with the Shock's office now and, and Michael McGrath, You know, we are all, I I suppose the words I'd use, our anxieties are sky high. Yeah. So we don't have viable businesses anymore with the core funding, the way it's been rolled out for those small services, small and medium services. The ECC services, they're not allowed to charge any fees. So you're going to see an awful lot of them. You can see it already in Cork alone. There's loads going in, in all over the country. We're hearing of closures. Can't get any answers from the department regarding how many closures there are. Um, so we're waiting on that. Mm-hmm. Um, for the full day care services now, and another issue that has come up. So the department would have put out a calculator called the Ready Reckoner back in June, so you were able to calculate how much you were going to get. Yeah. Okay. So then they put out a second calculator when they announced the core funding contracts and everything else, the funding agreements, all of that kind of stuff. So when we went back in and we looked at that, you're looking at service providers. Now, I'm talking about the medium, small and medium full care services, part-time services, right. are down between fifteen and 25,000 on what they thought they were getting. And the department have a disclaimer on the ready reckoner. So where do we go with that?
5: That's not so, sustainable. That's not sustainable.
6: No. So now we can't afford to pay the wages and free freeze our fees. It's ridiculous. It's just... You couldn't write this, what's going on. And then you look at the UK. There is absolute turmoil in the UK. All of these services across the country are closing down. Why? Lack of government investment. Mm -hmm. It is coming here. It is going to happen.
5: Yeah. We saw what happened, or almost happened, with Stepping Stones. Thankfully, that has been saved. And for people who don't understand the core funding, you, you simplify it into a sentence. You don't receive enough money from the government to provide the service for free, and you're not allowed even to charge so much as a tenner per week to, to try to balance your books. So you're you're ghosts, really, Elaine.
6: We're we're ghosts. Yeah, we we absolutely are. And you know, parents are going to feel it now because once we start closing doors now from September onwards and that's what's going to happen here because nobody seems to care and we care about our parents and we care about our children but we also have to have a viable business we have to be able to reinvest because every year you have to reinvest in painting and doing up the place during the summer months and buying new equipment and giving your staff a pay rise all of that kind of stuff and you can't do that and everybody needs to remember all of our costs have gone back up our country has the the highest inflation rate in Europe Mm -hmm. is Ireland I mean, we should be all worried, you know, because if we start closing, then what are they going to do with the workforce? Because the workforce will be affected. The economy will be affected. And nobody seems to care. So we're out here again today, and there's so many coming from all over the country. We've organised buses, we've organised carpooling, we've organised everything. And... It's going nowhere. I invited the department, some of the the leads in the department, to have a meeting with us when we walk to the department today. And one of them has already come back and said that she's prior commitments. Prior commitments. Really? Could you not change your prior commitments and come out and meet with the Federation members and the committee? Like, really?
5: Is it even if the fee... We're half covering it right now, even if the core funding was even getting there right now, which it's not anyway, Elaine. No, I'm right I mean, in look, saying you're facing into a season where the lighting is getting more expensive, the heating, the heating is getting everything. more expensive. Yeah,
6: yeah. Everything is, and everything is going up on us. And look, to be quite honest, I'm sure parents listening to me on the, on the radio here this morning are going, what is going on? Because they are so unsure as to what's going on. Because all you hear from government is, we're going to, you know, cap fees. We're going to do this and we're going to do that. But at whose detriment? The providers. So never mind capping fees. We just won't be here anymore. We will all be gone. I want, to, I want everybody here listening listen to say, look at what's happening in the UK. It is falling apart. Four and a half thousand services have closed loads of write-ups in the local newspapers. There is so much turmoil in the UK and it's going to happen here, unfortunately. And it's beyond our control. And
5: who's minding these people's children then? Who's taking care of these people's children so they can go to work?
6: Well, I presume they have to come out of the workforce. Parents have nowhere to go. You can see their frustrations. I have a newspaper article from the UK and you can see the frustrations from the parents and from the, the providers and the workforce. So if everybody joins together, so the parents come out and help us, the workforce come out and help us, then maybe we have some hope of keeping our services open in the future. Yeah. Because it's not now, it's two years down the line that this is going to have a massive impact. No matter what they give us in budget, if they don't do something today or next week, they need not worry about the budget that's coming in because we can't um, stay open and we cannot wait until Sem- September 2023. You It'll mention- be too
5: late for a lot of us. You mentioned Michael McGrath. And we're reading in all of our newspapers and Pascal Donahue over the last number of days that they have money to spend at this point in time because the economy is in good health. The, co- the yeah. coffers are, 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 are strong. And we've had a great take from corporate tax. So they have some money to spend in the budget in a couple of weeks time. What's your plea today, Elaine, to Michael McGrath and Pascal Donahue?
7: Is
6: to do something today. We've asked for the ECC services to get a capitation rise of up to 76 euros per child. And I'm going to point this out to everybody. That is 7 euros a week per child, which will help us to remain open. That's all we're looking for. And then we do not want our fees frozen at the rate that they want them frozen today. We can't do it. You will destroy our businesses. You will destroy our sector. And I really need you to listen. We have over 1,400 members in the Federation all saying the same thing. We are the second largest representative body in this country. And people need to understand, I don't take things lightly. I'm not coming out here telling lies. I am telling the truth. We have data to back this up. And our data comes from surveys that we have run over the last year. Okay. And that went out to 1,400 members and over 1,100 on some of those surveys that the providers took when you look at data coming from the department you're talking about 500 providers taking the survey, our data is very very strong mm. compared to, the, to our department's ones
5: Elaine, and Parker, that's very, you make very, my job very hard, do you know that? <laughs> and I'll tell Sorry. you why because part of my job is to listen to what you're saying and try to pick a hole in it, I can't
6: no, there's no holes in what we're saying, and that's why we're taking to the streets again today. And we could, we will continue to do this, and we will be having closures come September. And I, I will apologise to parents now, but this is beyond our control. Yeah,
5: here's a message in from Paul. My wife works in childcare. It's not funding they need. It's, it's staff. They're short, sick staff. They're closing, closing rooms, but. That does come, doesn't it, from a lack yeah, of Yeah, no, that, that
6: is correct. And to be fair to Paul, that is absolutely spot on. He's right. Staff are leaving the sector as well, because everybody has promised uh, go a good DRO of rates of pay and everything else. That still isn't across the line. So these, these men and women are leaving our sector, unfortunately, and there's nothing we can do. We need staff. We need an injection of huge amount of money um, into the budget um, coming in. But we also need an injection of funding now to sustain yeah. the business and keep them open so that we can keep our staff on. I mean, you're talking about a lot of our members are paying above the euro rates, so that's what people need to remember. Like we, I, you know, the, the, Sorry, above the, what the, rates, Elaine? They, there's, they're above the rates of um, what we hope will come in through the euro. So 13 euros will be the starting rate going up to 17.25. Nice. Okay, depending on your on your job spec. So, you know, it's a, to me... It, Look, we'll see where it goes in in the next couple of months. Hopefully the EROs will be passed through um, the Labour Committee and we will be able to move forward with that. But we can't draw down on core funding until that's across the line. So most of us have promised staff pay rises in September Mm. and now we have no funding to cover those pay rises in September. And nobody seems to care about that.
5: And that's another reason why people will up and leave.
6: Yeah, absolutely. And it's awful. I don't want to see anybody else leaving this sector. We should all be working together here to get this across the line. Everybody. There's so many representative groups out there. And it's really funny that the Federation are the only ones out there fighting for this. I mean, why are we not all joining together in in force to say, look, this is not workable. We can't do this. You know, I don't understand this. But I really think that at this point, Michael McGrath and our, our Taoiseach needs to have a meeting with the Federation to discuss what we've had. And you're calling on him,
5: you're, you're calling on Michael McGrath and the Taoiseach to meet you?
6: Absolutely, at this point, because we don't want to close our doors to our parents and to stop them going into work. But we have no choice here. We'll do this protest today with the hope that something will give. But we've had many meetings now and we're getting no feedback whatsoever, which is very unfortunate.
5: Okay, Elaine, thank you very much. Elaine Dunn, Chair of Federation of Early Childhood Providers. We've been through this many times on the programme. It simply isn't viable, Elaine, thank you. It simply isn't viable now for so many providers in the the ECCE system. It simply isn't. It's just not sustainable for them to open their doors. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. I just want to mention a proud Auntie Margot. And can we do a favour for a proud Auntie Margot, if at all possible? I speak, of course, of Auntie Margot, of Aideen Mullins, Aideen Mullins's Auntie Margot, because I mentioned yesterday Aideen had won a bronze in her uh, Muay Thai. Championships, the World Championships in Canada. And they want to welcome her home. She's due back in the airport this week. Could we get her a well done and welcome home banner for her return to Ballyfehan? Would anybody in Ballyfehan have a welcome home banner that they would ever provide, or maybe make, or give, or loan to the family and supporters of 18 Mullins to welcome her home? Tomorrow. That's from Anti America. 0818 They can call me Wayne Hilton.
2: Wayne Hilton. The weekend. on Quark's 96 FM.
5: Join me Saturday mornings from 10. I've got four hours of the best music mix.
7: Check out the Cork Weekend Survey. Have a go at the Wayne teaser question. There's the latest celebrity
5: gossip. A look at what's happening around town. And we'll keep you up to date with all your essential Cork news.
2: Wayne Hilton.
5: Saturdays, 10 a.m.
2: With CarMax Used Car Supermarket. Dublin Road for Moy. Great deals on hundreds of cars. Just a short drive from the tunnel. Visit C A O R N A X X carmax.ie. On Cork's.
5: 96 FM. Another fire last night. Pictures on social media of another fire at the playground in Ballancolic in the regional park. Joanne, good morning. Good
8: morning, PJ. How are you?
5: Good, good. It's the second fire in the space of a week there.
8: Yeah, it's the second fire in the space of a week in that particular playground. And and, you know, it's it's falling back into a pattern again, um, because we've had we've had ongoing issues with this in this area and um there seems to be nothing done about it. Yeah. Um, and there's no I, I like I'm the local area rep for A and two and we have a campaign to reopen Balancalic Fire Station, which as people may or may not know has been closed. Yeah. You know, and they're having trouble recruiting uh, they're planning to reopen, but they're having trouble recruiting yeah. for my understanding of it. We, we did so, discuss
5: that, yeah. It's the second time of the week as you say. Now just to yeah. be sure, this is the small one
8: yeah. near the health
5: centre, near Lidl. Yeah. That that one yeah.
8: Yeah, okay. yeah, okay. Yeah. And it's a lovely little playground. It's really kind of I suppose more geared towards uh popular I think with the younger kids and kids after school, you'd see a lot of kids going in there just to kind of, I suppose, leave off a bit of the the, the sort of tension of the day
5: yeah, the and whatever, team, yeah, and
8: yeah. you know, and we have the new housing estate that's there now, and those kids use it a lot, and um, you know, and like we really only have the two playgrounds in Ballochcally, so we can ill afford to have a playground lost to this, but that particular playground doesn't seem to get a lot of attention or maintenance by Cork City Council. Mm. There has been, you know, um, I mean, various things have gone on. There's all this kind of a, a, a sort of rubbish and things like that. Um, so it does need a bit of attention, anyway. But um, really, now, you know, the idea of of burning them is, you know, I think something that everybody out here really has, you know, takes great ex- exception to. Absolutely. Um, and we want to see, like, we want to see our services. Uh, maintained out here. We want to see our fire brigade. We want to see our uh, guard station open, yeah. um, on a more consistent basis. Like it's is people. The, sorry, main, do you, yeah,
5: go on. is it a yeah. is it a playground that, as some of them sadly have to be now, is it a playground that can be locked of an evening? Oh yeah. Yeah, and they still yeah. get in, and they still get in.
8: It isn't locked.
5: It isn't locked.
8: No, no. As far as I know. Anyway, the last time I was there, it was locked. No. Right.
5: So well, there's a fence around it, you know, but that
8: there's like... yeah, yeah, and I mean it's a very overlooked playground. Like I mean, you could see this from the main road. Uh, yeah, yeah.
5: So the, surely um, there's is there CCTV anywhere that the guards might be able to nail who's doing this?
8: Um, well, I suppose most of the CCTV would be directed at the premises. Yeah, you know that are around it. But I mean, it's beside the health centre. It's it, like it's it's fairly well overlooked. Like it it can be seen from the housing estate. It can be seen any from anybody passing in and out a little. Just you know, if and it was daylight, really. It- in a, you know, there was quite good light around still at that yeah, time yeah, of the evening, yeah. Well, yeah
5: um, so, so you know, so to have it's, it's a like to
8: yeah, well, it would be well observed,
2: like,
5: you know. I see so, as well in know. response to your tweet and your pictures mm. last night, someone re- replied uh, or was going on about the, the litter problem and said they were there yeah. at the weekend and there were yeah. bottles and glass yeah. and rubbish, yeah. I mean, and a whole bottle of sun cream had been sprayed onto this light. Yeah. I mean, give us a break,
8: like, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, like, not only... Like, obviously, those things are, you know, not pleasant for... and somebody has to clean them up because the children can't use the place, but, you know, stuff like litter is also, you know, uh, is something you can set fire to. It's attractive for rats. It's, you know, there's, there a whole last has, the whole lot... of there there, There are, or yeah. there was, at least. Yeah, there was the last time I was there, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, or the, yeah. but, I mean, you... I suppose it kind of speaks to kind of a neglect of it, really. Like, at the moment out here, a lot of those um, type of jobs, uh, the waste is put on Bal- uh, Balancholic Tidy Towns.
2: Yeah.
8: And I was actually coming home with my husband, who had spent an hour out with Tidy Towns, uh, tidying up one area of Balancholic, and uh, a whole group had got out. And it was devastating, really, to see, you know, they put in such huge amount of uh, voluntary time yeah. and energy into maintaining that and and then to come home and on the way home to see somebody had lit fire to the playground. You know, like, it's, it was a very hard to take. Yeah. You know, I, like, how can we ask people to volunteer so much of their energy and who clearly have contributed massively to the area? Yeah. And then, on the other hand, then you have this, Kind of, you know, in the background all the
5: time. Um, I never I never thought of it that way. Like Joan, I mean look, Tidy Towns volunteers are great people and they're everywhere. It must be soul destroying oh, to yeah. go out and do your litter picking and do your cleaning up and wear your little jacket with volunteer on the back of it yeah. and do the and then have some little gurrier burn the place down. Yeah. It
8: is it is you know and, like we had this like um below in the regional park, we had uh, at the start of the year, we had several benches down there destroyed yes. and again like the the you know it's not victimless like the it's, families and children are affected yes. by this, it's a cut to their resources. I mean, a lot of the benches that had over the years have been destroyed in the regional park, which were very useful for people with disabilities or people yeah. who struggled walking. A lot of
5: those haven't been replaced yeah it's not it's not a victimless crime you're hurting people you're hurting facilities that are used by people to enhance their lives. Joanne, thank you, Joanne Murphy from Ballin colleague, and we had lots of pictures sent in to us from that and litter the the the, the, the tweet in response with litter and it reminded me of something I did last night. I was on the bus to town I was getting the bus in to see the new Show at the Everyman, of which I'll tell you a little bit more later on, their summer production. But I was on the 220 in, I think it was around 5 or 10 to 7, I took the 220 into town. And I was sitting upstairs, and I looked across opposite me. And some young muppet, I'm assuming young, some muppet, had had their dinner, their takeaway, and left the bag and the tub of sweet and sour sauce, which was dripping onto the seat onto the upholstery and left their bag and pile of rubbish on the seat got up and walked away you'd hate to see the state of their house wouldn't you or as someone said in response to my tweet their house is probably clean (laughs) because they found the rubbish on the bus Dirty people, eh? 0818969696, Premier League Live, back this weekend on 96m.ie with Trevor Welsh and the team. Saturday from midday, powered by Talk Sport. Live coverage of Spurs against Wolves at 12.30, Leicester v Southampton at 3, and Bournemouth against Arsenal at half past 5. Premier League Live online, brought to you by Harry Norman, your home of the big screen listen Saturday on the Cork's 96FM app or go to 96FM.ie The Cork Diary on Cork's 96FM
2: The Cork Diary is a free service, so if you're a community group a not-for-profit organisation or you have a fundraising event you would like mentioned let us know and we'll tell Cork all about it. Email the details to Cork Diary at 96FM.ie The
1: Cork Diary
2: with Tusla Fostering, now seeking foster carers for short and long term emergency Emergency and
5: respite fostering in Cork. See fostering.ie. On Cork's 96FM. John says that lady on air now, speaking to Joanne, not even elected, but she campaigned for and ensured there'd be life boys put in in Malancolic. Now she's campaigning about playgrounds. That's the type of person we need in government. Thank you, John. You might get a chance to vote for her sometime soon. 0818969696. just want to go back to something I said I'd do earlier on. Donal was on to us from Corraheen. Now we got this message a few days ago, and apologies Donal, it's taken some time to get around to it. But he messaged us, we've just had our third power outage this week. Is there something ESB networks aren't telling us? What is with these outages? We got no advance notice for any of them. Is the system overloaded? Why is it our area each time? ESB networks need to give answers, and as I said, Dun, our apology took a couple of days to get to that message, but important nonetheless. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Now, forty-two-year-old Kay Barrett is a woman from Dunamore. She's currently serving a sentence at Limerick Prison. Uh, she was jailed last February uh, at Clonakilty District Court by Judge James McNulty. Now Kay had been handed down a number of previous suspended sentences at different court sittings and it came after she repeatedly breached orders of the court. She broke her bail conditions. She at one point point produced a knife and she'd called the guards. She, She told another time, she said she had a gun and she'd harm herself. And this had been going on for quite some time. Her family had a safety order and she broke the conditions of that. The sad truth, however, is that Kay Barrett is not some kind of career criminal. She has a severe and lifelong mental health issue. She's had it since she was much, much younger. The reason she's now in Limerick Prison is because there really was nowhere else for her to go. I've been speaking with her sister Claire. Claire, before I go into the circumstances of how we come to be in this or how your family comes to be in this very difficult situation, uh, tell me, how is Kay? Are you in touch with her?
9: Yeah, um, I'm in touch with her. And at the moment, I'm afraid to say she's not doing very well. Like she's suffering a lot. Yeah. Understandably, she's she misses like simple things like the garden and being outside in the fresh air and just her family and her dog and just her freedoms are taken away from her completely. When um, so she's she's not she's not great. If I'm honest, yeah,
5: she's there until you think mid December is her expected release date from prison.
9: Yeah, it would be mid December. is Is the date that we've been given that she'll be released or that she'll appear again in court? But I think there's still some sentences that are hanging over her head, unfortunately, just yeah. because um, these suspended sentences are still still there.
5: Yes These are suspended sentences for things Kay did because let's face it she's not a well woman How long this has she been exactly. unwell? How long has she been yeah, unwell?
9: Th- th- this is it exactly. It's like it's not fit for purpose. How can you sentence somebody that doesn't isn't in their right mind? It's not a system that she should be in. She's in a criminal system when she should be in the health system Mm-hmm.
5: Tell me some of her story, Claire.
9: So I guess, like, Kay Kay was, like, Kay's got a heart of gold. She would, like, give you anything, and the person that we all go to if we're (laughs) we're in trouble, she's one of those people that you gravitate towards, and she was really popular growing up. And, like, there was always, like, you know, like, insecurities and attachment issues, I feel there. Um, But it, it got progressively worse as she during her 20s
2: hmm.
9: she had a breakdown in 2009 which was um, kind of scary for everybody to witness and because our mum was institutionalised her whole life we, we just were really worried that that was the path that Kay was going down Yeah um, and it, it got progressively worse I guess over the years you know
5: What happened to mum may I ask?
9: Mum always had mental health issues also like um, but she was in and out of our ladies hospital Yeah and yeah. she was diagnosed with schizophrenia um, back then it was hush hush everything was swept under the carpet and yeah. we just know that we never grew up with the mother she was in hospital our whole yeah. lives
5: and, and has Kay had a diagnosis Claire?
9: yeah so she was diagnosed in 2009 with bipolar then it changed to schizoaffective disorder in 2017 um, and she was on all of the medication that you would take if you were schizophrenic Hmm. then it changed to borderline personality disorder, which is classified as a personality disorder, so therefore wouldn't be considered to be under the psychiatric care of the HSE, which I feel is is wrong.
5: And the things that brought her to the attention of the courts, not just Judge James McNulty or Judge Cullen Roberts, but, but others, what, what kind of things did she do?
9: Well, I suppose... She was crying out for help she would always she'd always feel very insecure and vulnerable when she was on her own and because of her mental illness relationships broke down a little bit you know um so there were times when she was on her own and at night time she was she's afraid of the dark and she would get very scared like in many ways she was very childlike you know kind of like vulnerable and she'd always want your company around and i think that's why she turned to the Basically, she wanted company more than anything else, or just that fear, that, that kind of security feeling. Yeah. She felt very vulnerable on her own. and So she would ring the guards the Guar- when
5: she was on her own, yes?
9: Yeah, she would ring the guard when, when she wasn't really getting the help and services in the community. Because mm. I, I do feel like the HSC is so under-resourced in this area, particularly, I know there are many areas that it's under-resourced, but I feel mental health isn't spoken about enough it's there's still an awful lot of taboos and it's seen as kind of well we're we're in the hangover of our institutional state like we are yes
5: she made i think 200 calls at one point
9: yeah i know yeah. and 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 that's, that's terrible like anybody everybody agrees that's wasting gardie time which and we were hearing in the news at the moment about the ambulance workers and i've seen them they're amazing people and they're they're working so hard within a system that is sick. I feel the health system is sick in Ireland. I really do.
5: Now, before she uh, ended up in Limerick Prison, which is where she is now, she'd made several court appearances. And I think it became obvious every time. Court isn't where she should have been. Even the judges were saying that.
9: Yeah, completely. Like, it's, it's hard to believe that that would have happened. Like, if you were a person in the stand in the court and you saw you saw this person on the stand like you you know that she's in turmoil and she's going through a psychiatric illness but the we, we we just kept being told by her doctors that or well by the team like it was multidisciplinary team that it was a personality disorder and that therefore it was more of a personality behavioral issue
5: yeah so she was in court in December, and then she appeared back in court in Clonakilty in February before Judge James McNulty. And that was a very yeah. upsetting day.
9: Yeah, it it, it like those court, those court appearances were 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 traumatic, really. Like I mean, especially for like we're we're less vulnerable than Kay, but like I just feel personally affected by the uncaring system that we were reduced to being in. Like Kay appearing in handcuffs. And the the prison outfit. You know, it was just it was like a nightmare. It really was for a person that is so vulnerable. Yeah. Um but yeah. But I, I could see that everybody was saying this is wrong and everybody I think everybody knew deep down morally this is wrong. Like the judge had sympathy, the solicitors had sympathy when Kay was lucid, but when she's deregulated she's quite aggressive. And that's the that's a symptom of her illness. <laughs>
5: In court in February, Judge McNulty is quoted as having said, Kate Barrett is clearly in turmoil. Her mental state is clearly deteriorating. Bail was revoked. She was remanded in custody for sentence, which subsequently took place, and that's why she's in prison. Um, I think you formed the impression that day that Judge McNulty did not want to send her away, but felt he had no option.
9: Yeah, and that's that really is because like we felt like there was nowhere else for her to go because she wasn't being accepted in hospital in in Saint Michael's yeah. and like he he was worried for Kay's well being and for our well being in the community and Dunmore you know it's and we have children that are neighbours and like for them to see this person being so deregulated emotionally deregulated. Mm-hmm. He was doing it for for her benefit, I suppose. But she was it's before
5: not- the she was before the court for for things that were, if you like, they were offences under the law. So she was legitimately before the court, but she had committed these offences as a result of her mental state, and even the judge understood this.
9: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like she was crying out for help because she wasn't getting it. You know she that she was panicking and that was her way of like getting attention getting getting help because like she really did try to get help medically but it just the we we know the waiting lists are just so Hmm. high in every department in 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 the medical system like maybe if 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 she was on dbt earlier she would have been better with her coping strategies rather than just
5: she has tried many times to get help, I think.
9: Oh my goodness, like really, really has tried so hard and has engaged with the system and always was very good at appearing for appointments and taking her medication. It just it just didn't work, you know? It just wasn't like the DBT was a two-year wait list and yeah. those two years... It just, just for, for
5: listeners' benefit, um, Claire, tell me what DBT is.
9: So DBT is Dialectic Behavioural Therapy. I, I guess it's kind of like... A very intense form of awareness of your emotions how yeah. to regulate your emotions oh, um, there's a very long um,
5: waiting list to get into that very, A
9: very long waiting list like it's two years and then Kay was discharged from all um, services in october 2020 and then that meant that she had to go to the back of the waiting list again so like it was three years really for the dbt she had been waiting it just it it just it's it, it doesn't work For a person waiting that long and just getting more and more frustrated and the relationships I think with the medical team had broken down because of her deregulation and her aggression, which are symptoms again of this personality disorder. And and I think it's treated as as not really an illness. When it's a personality disorder, the the onus is on the 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 patient. Like, you know, it's not really seen as a treatable illness.
5: So yeah. Yes. Yes, whereas if she had gone with a diagnosis of, say, schizophrenia, then she would have had treatment and she would have had meds and she would have had all those things.
9: And yeah, and this- I, I really feel that she's between the three, that it's not complete, that there's definitely psychiatric issues because she she hears voices a lot, you know, yeah. she hears voices a lot and she's very, she's manic, she has manic episodes like bipolar yeah. and there's mam, I mean, like that link with mam yeah. has been neglected and I think that's the uh, that's the big elephant in the room that doctors never wanted to acknowledge because they said it was a different case, but that genetic link is, yes. it's there's evidence to show that there's a link between you know, uh, it's it, schizophrenia runs in families. And know, as, so. as a
5: loving and supportive family, yeah. you've tried to bring this to the attention of hermetics, haven't you?
9: I have, yeah like there's been several you know, like trying to reach out but it just seems to be all about reports and data collection, box yeah. ticking and like the patient is suffering but I like I, and I sympathise with doctors as well, it's like I feel like it's nobody's fault because it's it's, it's our it's our system yes. that we've all voted for and that we're all contributing to like yeah. you, know, you can't say oh it's the HSE's fault, it's like we need system. to look at our society. The system,
5: like. the system is broken and you said to me that she's not too great at the moment and I hope she'll be all right when she's well um, Claire and we know that people who go through mental health difficulties like this have days when they are well when she's well how aware is she of her situation what does she say to you yeah she's
9: she's um, like just sad a lot, you know, she's sad, she misses us, she just wants, she writes letters all the time, I mean she's written letters to all of her family and to her solicitor and to her doctors and that she uses those coping strategies and she does a lot of mindful colouring and like she's, she's really good but I feel like she's changing, you know like that, the the old K is less and less there, Yeah. Um, she misses her dog so much, Toss like and just like it's just, it, it it would make you sick in your stomach thinking of her, of her in the cell, locked away. They, they get locked up at like seven at night till right. about 10 or 11 in the morning and she finds that really hard, like being on her own, you know. It's like, I do feel like for a person as vulnerable as Kay, I feel like it's kind of a form of torture Like because she needs people around her and she's very vulnerable and there's a change in her, you know. There's a change in her now.
5: It's heartbreaking to watch.
9: Yeah, yeah, it really is, like... Oh, like, oh, yeah, it's been a long road, PJ, it has.
5: I know. Is she receiving yeah. any kind of treatment in the prison? Yeah.
9: There is a psychiatrist, but the psychiatrist is really st- stretched. Like, I think he's got, like, a big caseload, you know, and, um, mm. it, yeah, he's he's helping Cabe, and, but, you know, it's not really appropriate, like you don't go to prison to get treated for an illness, no. you go to prison as a prisoner and you can't yeah. be treated differently to other prisoners because, you know, like Kay still gets the same um, benefits you know, of one phone call a day you know, and things yeah. like that, and one because visit every two weeks.
5: Right? She's in there because she has legitimate convictions and, and, and we can't we can't jump over that particular thing, But but those convictions come as a result of her being a very sick woman
9: Yeah, yeah yeah, this is it, like, yeah. 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 Um, it just, it makes me lose faith in the social services because the trauma of being imprisoned, like, it, it's going to make it harder for her to re- rehabilitate when she comes out, you know?
5: Yeah, because she now has a criminal record on top of everything else.
9: Well, that's the least of it. It's like just her coping day to day, you know? Yeah.
5: Are you able to visit her? Do you get to see her? Yeah,
9: I'm going up on I'm going up on Saturday... Yeah. Um, and we can do video calls as well. She loves video calls because she gets to see the dogs and stuff. But yeah, yeah so it, it, yeah, it's not nice. It's not a nice place to be, you know. It's no. like very cold. As um, as a
5: loving sister, and you're close by the by the sounds of your voice, you're very close. How do you feel? How? What kind of a toll is this taking on you?
9: Yeah, it wears you down. It really does, and it's kind of isolating because people don't know what to say like what there is no happy ending here is there like you know it's it's a sad sad story and i try to not think about it too much because it can really tear you apart like break your heart
2: Mm.
9: but life goes on you know you have to keep going and you have to try and get the help that Kay needs but there was a there was a point last year where we were just like coming up against brick walls and thinking how can this be Ireland? Like, how can this happen today? You know. But yeah, we just, you know.
5: And I guess the fear is, look, she may well be out for Christmas, and that would be lovely. But
9: it would be that, lovely, but we're also scared, you know, because we just we need support with with it, like you know. Yeah,
5: because the danger is that if she doesn't get the the care she needs, she'll just end up
9: back in there. Yeah, it's a high risk. Like it is, it's very likely to happen. You know, we don't want that happening. But, ha, 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 what is the future like? Can DBT help her now? Like, I'd love to know if anybody has experience with DBT. Like, is is it? Can it fix? You know, can, will yeah. it help? I don't know. has Kay gone beyond it Like,
5: yeah. Well, all I can do is, I suppose, as one human being to another, Claire, to to say that. You know, we hear you.
9: Yeah, and, and that's, we're, l- that's nice to hear, yeah. You know, and we, real- and, and, we, and, we, and we
5: hear the the pain in your voice,
9: you know. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, I really like, I like the fact that it's it, it's a human being behind all these suspended sentences and all these things, you know, that went wrong. She's a person that's ill, you know, and that's, like, it's, it's just, I, I just feel the empathy has gone out of the system because there's nowhere for people like Kay to go. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's hard to confront that as a society because it's just easier to shut them away.
5: Which is what has happened now. Claire. thank you so much for speaking with me. And please um, pass on our, our best wishes to Kay and wish her well in getting through this difficult time.
9: I will, of course. Thank you so much for listening, PJ.
5: That's Claire Barrett, sister of Kay Barrett. Kate currently in Limerick prison. There are many people in prison who deserve to be there. There are many prison people who are not in prison who deserve to be there. But there's someone who's in prison who shouldn't be there. She's there because there's nowhere else for her to go. And it brings me nicely to, to Don Leary at the Life Center, because Don, you've been listening to that interview. Um, and you say, if Kay had had access to services at the right time in her life, she wouldn't be in prison. And it links in with what you've been saying about, about youngsters in school who subsequently go off the rails because services aren't there for them. Morning, Don.
10: Good morning, Good morning, PJ. And I have looked, and I suppose, look, there's a, there's a couple things to say, right? First of all, look, all of us have mental health. That's number one. Yeah. Not every child that has mental health issue will end up in prison or end up in a youth detention centre or take drugs. Yeah. However, I have no doubt uh, this, this this woman shows something that's really difficult for us to accept. This woman could have had that for, for her life. We've seen young people with anxiety and it's manageable. But different things throw, throw them. So, our, our system and... and you'd be hoping we're getting better, we're not, It's built around the fact that you have mental health. Yeah. We're talk about it, everyone says, oh, talk to everybody, your mental health will be fine. It isn't, and we don't have the services. Now, what I was saying about uh, schools and what i said about schools in the past is that, unfortunately for schools, our Department of Education doesn't see the necessity to have a therapist or counsellor in a school setting. Mm. they're not providing the funding. What tends to happen is the guidance counsellors are trying to take that on that whole And so have got training. Yeah. But if we're going to deal with this, then we have to deal with it early. If you deal with it late, you see what's happened to Kay and others have been in that situation. Yeah. That continues to happen. Putting someone into a system because the other systems that are supposed to be providing support are broken, translating this is not an answer. And we're absolutely not supporting our children.
5: I hear your voice, Don, a message that you're telling me, you're not saying it, but I know you're thinking it. The next Kay Barrett is currently a young girl in trouble in school and no one's spotting it.
10: Yes, and worse than that, That young, the parents of that young girl, and maybe the school that that young girl is attending, have tried unsuccessfully to have this child dealt with by uh, children's uh, children's mental health CAMS. Yeah. And unless CAMS is funded properly, it's never going to catch up. And believe me, you see what we're hearing is the tip of the iceberg, because not every child that has a mental health. An anxiety issue, or uh, any issue, is even on
5: the CAMS waiting list. Some of them never need and anything like CAMS. They just need somebody in to intervene when they're fifteen or sixteen, who knows what they're doing, to care.
10: Yeah, but yeah, but I think sorry, your your my my issue with that is that at that stage it can be too late.
5: Okay, at what well, stage I'm would I'm you not- put that person in, Don?
10: Unfortunately, I, we need this early on. I mean, I can name, and I'm not going into this though, but we've had young kids, 11, 12, suiciding in this country. Fact. Not yes. made up. Not, no, not no, in
5: no, that. No, 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 it's not made up. No, you're right.
10: Not, 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 not there, there,
5: are, there are people who would not like you and me to be talking about that, but it's bloody well true, yeah.
10: Yeah, it's true. And, and look, do we hear that every death by suicide is suicide? No, we don't, and I understand the reason for it. And I'm not trying to put parents under pressure, not trying to put families under pressure. They have to live their lives. Unfortunately, don't. There are simple steps that can be taken. Instead of having a, 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 a childhood program that in one area you have school, in another area you have mental health, in another area you have addiction, in another area you have this. Why haven't we got a rounded system? I mean, kids go into care. They go into care not because they're a danger to society, they're going to care because they need support. However, the number of kids that go from care directly into the juvenile justice system Mm -hmm. is absolutely
2: sky high.
10: It's not true. It cannot be true. I mean, my belief is that, that sometimes our society decides. And sometimes in the best interest of the child, and this is what makes it very, very hard, is that professionals cannot find the places in in, in, in a secure care placements, cannot find it in the health system, cannot find it in the mental health system, and the only place they're trying to, to end up with trying to safeguard a child is, is in a youth detention centre. Mm. Now, how does a child that needs support and has been recognised as seeing support, end up in certain uh, child attention. Because I tell
5: you, Don, do you know what I'm going to lab- do? I'm going to ask you, my friend, to hold on for me for a few minutes, because I want to delve a little bit for you, with you, for a few minutes, into how we might work that rounded system that you're talking about. And you might come back to me after the news. Will you do that?
10: I, w- I will, of course. Great,
5: the great Don O'Leary at the Life Centre um, has fantastic ideas how we might. Tackle this stuff with the kids when they're still kids before they turn into young adults and are already gone deeper down the rabbit hole than they should ever been able to go. We'll do it after ten.
1: Here only the freshest hits of 2022.
2: Or train harder while we pump out the bangers.
1: The Hit Mix and the Fit Mix are streaming live right now on the
2: Quartz 96 FM app. Download it today. Download it today.
1: Listen on your smart speaker or go to 96FM.ie.
2: The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818
1: 96 Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96
2: Email opinion at 96fm.ie.
1: The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan.
2: On Cork's 96FM.
5: Talking before the news with uh, Donna Leary at the Cork Life Centre, who's been speaking out in the last couple of days about the need to intervene when kids are young and need to put therapists, counsellors and those who specialise in things like substance misuse, put them into school. And Don's argument is if you do this, you'll keep people out of the criminal justice system I'll get back to him in just a sec. Before that, I'd been talking to Claire Barrett, sister of Kay Barrett, and Kay is currently serving a sentence in Limerick Prison, and Kay clearly should not be in Limbic Prison, but she's there because she has nowhere else to go. And Kay has severe mental health issues. And Don was, was linking the two with me before 10, saying that, look, the next Kay Barrett, who will end up in prison when she shouldn't be there, that next Kay Barrett is in school. And, and possibly, you were saying, Don, a lot younger that, than I might think, and they're more like her. Good morning again.
10: Good morning again, PJ. Um, yeah, and you see, look, I, I think we're great at trying to, you know, fix problems. Um, when it gets to the stage where someone, we have someone now in jail who should definitely not be in the prison system and should be somewhere else, we're up in arms. Yeah. However, it's a very lonely place for a parent to be. If the, and it, mental health, addiction, is. Uh, I'm afraid one of these things that does not recognise a class system does not recognise an area you're living in, and it can be a very lonely place for a parent who is trying to circumnavigate this, this, these, these um, agencies. We, we, we do need a rounded view of this. In a lot of cases, young people who are facing anxiety and who have issues. Um, Having one good adults can make a huge difference and that could be a coach in a football team. It can be a teacher in a classroom. Mm. But we're not giving the training to these people. I mean, look, we hear about trauma and it's a war now that I'm getting worried about using. Okay. And this trauma-informed piece. Being trauma-informed doesn't mean you know what's going on for the child. Being trauma-informed is to think that each child that's linked to your system may have trauma. Right. You'll know, never be told that trauma. But if we start, if we start doing that, but the systems have to be in place. Yes, it costs money, and you have people oh, but There's, there's this, there's this. this. I'm not saying there isn't money needed in all the systems. However, if we want to make a change going forward to our society and be a society that rec- that upholds children's rights to education, to health, to play, we need to start doing this at an early age. We need to. It's not just saying to young people, and it drives me mad at times, we're saying to 11 and 12-year-olds, mm-hmm. talk to your friends, what skills have 11 and 12-year-olds got to work with kids who the systems can't work with, who know what is with, who need, who need psychologists and psychiatrists, who, who need addiction counsellors, who need who need beds in, in a... If you look at the bed situation for young people with mental health issues, yeah. There's a wife. What is, the, is, is there 20 beds in Cork? That's not, but that, that's not, that's not fitting the amount of children that may need them. Yeah. I mean, we're talking about you know, eating disorders, we're talking about self-harming. And unfortunately, if you try to go into the hospital system, if you're not, if you take a 17-year-old who has not been in camps and yeah. you try to access mental health, you have to go through an accident emergency. Right. If they had not been with CAMS even though there's still a child under the definition of a child, they will end up in an mental health ward. Now, that's not right. Yeah. It's not right.
5: And many of them, to be fair, Don, never need to, to cross the threshold of CAMS. They just need someone to pick up on where they are and, and they bring them through that.
10: Yes, they do. The majority of young people in It's a shame. It's a majority of... As I said at the start, we all have mental health. We won't all end up... Looking to go into the adult mental health service or a children's mental health service. However, if we need it, it ain't there. It isn't there. All the young people, as I said, one good adult, one adult that can sit, understand, understand this child is experiencing something, and sit, build a relationship. We we, we live and and no doubt your program, is, as others have done, we get people and say, oh, when we were growing up. When we, if we did everything that we did when I was growing up, um, we'd, be, we'd probably be a safer society. We didn't have drugs to turn to. We didn't have mobile phones that are available to be bullied on 24 hours a day. We had more time in, in schools. The classic, we don't have any time in schools. Mm. Teachers are put to the pin of their collar. And you watch it. We're in a period now where young children have to decide in the next couple of weeks, they're going to get results of an exam. Or society says, and has been telling them from the day they enter school, mind you, that they must get 625 points. Or their life is, their life is done. Not true. Not true. Yeah. Points, points don't do anything for children. By pressur, pressurising kids into believing that they all need to be doctors, they all need to be lawyers, we have enough. Yeah. We need to be happy. And they're feeling and said,
5: that pressure a long time before leaving third year aren't they, Don?
10: Well, they're starting to do that in, in primary school. Kids, parents are trying to decide, in many cases, where is the best place for my child to get a good leaving, sir? The child is 12, 11, 12, 13. In all fairness, like, we don't, know what they, we don't know what they're capable of doing. We don't know what they want to do. The thing about education is it should be an enjoyable experience. It should be something that allows the child to think, enjoy what they're doing in the moment, not because there's any exams coming six years down the line. We should believe children enjoy that. And actually, we should be pointing out to children, the most important thing in life is that you're able to go out there, you're able to engage with your peers, and you're able to be happy. Now, that to me It's what education should be about. Children, every child I've ever met, has a passion about something. Sometimes, for lots of different reasons, mental health, other reasons, it's buried deep inside. Mm. We have to find that passion and drive through. But we do need, and we have to have, proper support put in place. We talk about the government by society to deal with young people or adults who experience a moment in time where they they're so sad, they're so they have so much pain inside that sometimes they decide to take their own life. Yeah. Sometimes they decide to take drugs to medicate the problem. We look at young people taking drugs to to medicate the pain away, and it's self medication, if they're found with to, to with 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 drugs. There's every likelihood that they enter the system, a, a system, yeah. the system, just the justice system. It, yeah. That system does nothing, does nothing to help the child. Because what the child has to do is come back out of that system, go back into the system that was causing issues for them. When, do, when does it change? When do we give the child the support it needs to get through that moment in time? And some people, we know this, will live with mental, serious mental health problems the whole of their life. Tell me, just by closing mental institutions as we did years ago, and rightly so, what did we put in place? Tell me. We sent we people out into the community Said, or they will live and manage in the community. How's that going for a, our a society? Yeah. How is that going for us? You have to. You cannot leave people and say, yeah. give them two months in the hospital and say, oh, fine, off you go.
5: Well, we you're, mean, the answer to the question you just posed, really, Don, is yeah. two words Kay Barrett.
10: And and unfortunately, and I'm, you know, Kay, Kay has a strong sister there and support from family, not support from where she needs it, mind you. ...who have brought that to light. However, how many more care Barrett's have there been in the past? And how many more care Barrett's will it take... ...before we decide we need to support at an early stage? Not where kids is now. And everyone is running around and putting up their hands and saying... ...it's not our fault, it's not our fault. And the justice system will get blamed for this. However... It's the only system that would take Kay. Isn't that a bad situation that we have someone dealing with a mental illness and the only system that would take that woman is the justice system.
5: Don, I'll park it there. I'll talk to you all there. Bye. Don O'Leary the, of the Life Centre and the link to Kay Barrett is if we don't pick them up when they're young kids, we don't pick up this difficulty that they're having you get more and more K. Barrett's out there. Thank you, Don. 0818 96 96 96. Don is spot on. We had issues like addiction, self-harm, suicidal ideation, transgender and anorexia in our fifth and sixth class in primary. Such issues were brought to the attention of the school principal and the teachers concerned and promptly brushed under the carpet. They're just ill-equipped to deal with these issues that present so early now. In childhood. Specialist intervention is definitely needed and the sooner the better. PJ, this is Typical Ireland. We can find money to help everyone except our own. We found the money for extra teachers and extra classrooms for children from Ukraine but there's kids at home today who can't get placed in a school because there's no funding for special needs teachers. People need to wake up and say enough. Jerry says it's heartbreaking listening about that poor girl sitting in prison and she clearly just needs help for her mental health injury issues, says Jar. And, Kay, and Bear says, "This PJ, PJ, this country's going backwards. Shame on the government. This woman, Kay, should not be locked up. The system has failed her. System's definitely broken, says another message. I am struggling a lot myself and waiting on even seeing a doctor. It can take three months. That's just not helpful at all. I may tell you, there's plenty, plenty more. Plenty, plenty more. Uh, and I will come back to them, I promise.
2: Can we just talk?
5: The Opinion line with PJ Coogan.
2: Text or WhatsApp now. 0833
1: 96 96 96. On
5: Courts 96 FM. Yeah, I promise So we'll come back to the many, many comments coming in about the mental health system and, and how broken it is and how... Just obvious that breakage is when you listen to to someone like Claire oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. But on a lighter note, Cork. This has come up on on Twitter, and it's not the first time it's come up. You reckon, Sarah? We need an aquarium in Cork. Good morning.
0: Good morning, PJ. Yeah, I think it would be a brilliant resource, and um, not just for families and kids, but I just think for for everybody. Um, I think it's just a way to showcase what we have in our harbour for our local habitats, and yeah. um, but also a way to kind of educate and, and teach our children about respect for, for sea life.
5: We have two in the country, isn't it? Two, three. We've one in Dingle and we more um, in Galway. Both very impressive.
0: That's right. And actually, it came up, I've thought this for a while, but it came up my brother um, and his family popped to the one in Galway there last week or the week before. And he's got older children, 16 and 14, and he was surprised about how excited they actually got. He thought they might have grown out of it this age. And it just goes to show, you know, it's not just about entertaining small children. It's something that we all kind of find fascinating because we're not exposed to sea life and ocean life the same way that we might be to animals above ground, you know.
5: And here we are, uh, living in the third biggest natural harbour in the world, or the area around it at least,
0: yeah, and I just think it would just be such a huge benefit. Um, it's just, you know, another place to go as well for, for families on rainy days yeah. and everything else. But I just think, you know, you see how much we love Fota and how much we love wildlife. And I think if we could foster that same kind of love and respect for ocean wildlife, and what better way to do it than, than having an aquarium on our doorstep, you know? I just think it's, it's so obvious, I feel, um, that I think I'd love us, We'd love us.
5: Sarah, thank you. Sarah Murphy. An aquarium for Cork. There's one in Dingle, if you've ever been there, it's brilliant. I, I, I'd be a bigger fan of the one in Galway. But they're both fantastic. Fabulous, absolutely. Tim Brosnan, you'd agree with Sarah? Good morning. I,
3: I would, PJ, and I think efforts were made before to try to look at that in, 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 for, for Cork in the context of it being the kind of maritime capital of Ireland. If yeah. you like, And with the change in status of Cork now to uh, a major city rather than a small city, mm-hmm. I think we should be looking for one, and uh, it's very important. I mean, at the end of the day, two-thirds of the world is covered by water, yeah. and one-third is land. And an aquarium gives us an opportunity to to learn more about our environment, but also makes us aware that while, you know, there's lots of attention paid to farmers and cows and fuel and methane, the pollution that's going on under the sea is is unknown Tiff. and is hugely damaging and i would that's going to be our new world to some extent i think we will be building cities uh, in the sea our research centers underwater and i think the more we can actually learn about life underwater the more we can appreciate it and value it hmm. uh, one radio station there during the week uh, had a fella on who who hasn't caught a mackerel in 3 years yeah. Uh, I haven't caught a mackerel in two years. Uh, they're not there, and they're not there for a reason. Is it climate change or is it overfishing? We're all assuming That's everything is climate Tim. change. But there is a lot of abuse. And I have seen in pet shops, and I know this is a distraction of PJ, but I have hmm. seen Sprat being sold as dog food. So it's being, it's being gouged by the fishermen actually, for money, calls- and therefore it's interfering. Something came up.
5: Sorry, no, yeah. no, it's it, it's it's linked actually in a way. You were saying you haven't, and you're a keen fisherman. I know you haven't caught a mackerel in in two years, and and there's nothing right. nicer than fresh mackerel brought in from the sea. But at the same time, Tim, another another interesting discussion that came up uh, on the program in the last few days was weaver fish. We've got a huge problem with weaver fish in West Cork this summer. A lifeguard, that a colleague, was speaking to uh, last week said that he'd had 10 weaver fish things to deal with in one day, which asks, yeah. be, begs the question, yeah. what's happened to the weaver fish's yeah. predator?
3: Exactly. And, and I would be more concerned about the food chain in the sea yes. than I am uh, about a lot of this talk about global warming.
5: Because I mean, C- something used to eat changing, the weaver and fish and the they're thing. not eating it now.
3: Yeah, they're not eating it now. And whoever eats the mackerel isn't eating it either, and the whales then come after and the dolphins come yes. after so they're all,
11: Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com/style for free shipping and 365-day returns.
3: And cork is that it could be attached, and it, and you could have UCC and MTU jointly involved.
5: Haven't we got the marine uh, life, the maritime centre down there in Ringaskiddy? There's a we place have to you. look.
3: I- And that's what we should build in that. I mean, there's an exhibition in the Crawford Gallery at the moment of all the paintings by the Atkinsons of the Port of Cork. I mean, Cork has been a fabulous port in the past. It's been a centre of the British Empire. And now it's been treated, I think it's been very badly treated by the Dublin government. Uh, And, you know, I I think some heads need to be cracked together. I mean, your last interview there, PJ, it almost brought tears to my eyes. And you'll have all the suits around now on Sunday and they'll be all kowtowing to Michael Collins. I can tell you, in my humble opinion, if a 31-year-old Michael Collins sat around the cabinet table with all the senior civil servants and politicians, he'd crack a few heads and things would happen. And that, coming,
5: just, that coming from a lifetime I mean, of your that's saying something,
11: well, yeah,
3: I, I, I mean, it. There's, there's, I know, there's a paralysis in government. They've left the civil service over. There's a paralysis. It, it's just nothing can get done and will get done. But I agree... With the car for the aquarium and I think we should go for it. It is needed there's a lot of learning to be done about the yeah. sea and you know what a way to stimulate interest.
5: And they're one of the most fascinating things whether you're whether you're 5 or 55 they're one of the most fascinating places to spend an hour Tim thanks um, I like to know what listeners think about this an aquarium for Cork and straight away oh it's another luxury we can't get away Okay. I think it's a brilliant idea we should have an aquarium we should have a Lido we should have loads of sea pools around the place we're using our oceans and an aquarium is a great way to use our oceans and use what's in our oceans so should we have an aquarium I think we should I'm going to come down very hard on one side of this I'd love to see an aquarium in Cork what about yourself why on? morning Good morning PJ PJ
7: um, yeah, I mean, I'd I'd love to see an aquarium, but in general, the city centre needs more things for children to do. You know, I I, I mean, I know I said in my tweet yesterday that we have, you know, you have photo, but that's a train trip or a driveway. You have the the Blackrock Castle, but again, that's that's a driveway. That's not a walk from the city centre if you've got children. Fitzgerald's Park is not a walk for the city centre if you've got children. The waterworks is not a walk from the city centre as you've got children. We need more indoor stuff in the city centre and a playground, <laughs> an outdoor thing for people to do in the
5: city centre. Well, you know what happens with playgrounds, as we're hearing in Bell and College this morning, <laughs> they tend to get set fire to.
7: Yeah, I mean, and that is the problem, is can you can you have a playground in the city centre that is secure enough to try and stop the mm-hmm. local... Jokes, yeah, from but that's a very good point everyone. you
5: make, actually. A lot of the places around the city centre or on the outskirts of the city centre that you might want to bring a couple of kids, particularly on a day where you can't exactly predict the weather, they're not really a stroll away.
7: No, no, I mean, you know, people go, oh, they're they're, they're near, but they're not. I mean, if you've got small children, I mean, yes, for you or I to walk to Fitzgerald's Park from, from well, from our shop is, is 20 minutes or so. If you've got two small children or a buggy, that's not twenty minutes. You know?
5: That's true. That's true. So really I mean true.
7: they said they'd have been better off spending the three hundred thousand that they spent on the lovely air cleaners um, on a park. <coughs> on a playground area. Yes. You know, and security for it. Yes.
5: Or maybe maybe on one of those tourist trains that you see all over the world yeah. in major you know, those little small ones, like a little train that goes around, as we called it when our kids were small, a ting-ting. And it goes around Cork and it stops at the Waterworks and it stops at Fitzgerald's Park and it stops at everywhere And you can just get on and off it all day with your ticket. How cool would that be?
7: Well, I mean, that would be excellent. I mean, I don't know where the, the, the open-top bus, I've never actually looked at the route of it. Because, um, I mean, again, in in most cities you have a hop-on and a hop-off system on, on the kind of the tourist route. Um on the buses. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that, I mean, that sort of thing would work really well because it, it encourages people to look at everything. And it gives you, I mean, if you're in, oh, I don't know, Barcelona, it gives you a very good overview of the city.
5: Indeed you know? it does. And you can stop at, at stuff where you want to get off and get in and have a look and come back on and catch the next round of the trains. Cool idea. Why on, thanks. Let's le- throw it open to the floor, as they, as they say. Uh, an aquarium. It's just one of many things people would like to see in the city. But what would you think? An aquarium, uh, like you'd see in Dingle, Dingle or, in, or in Galway. Would you like one for Cork? Text or WhatsApp, 83 396 96. 96. Yes, it would be great. Yes, if you'd like that idea. No, if you think it's not needed. And there will be people who will say, well, look, there's more important things to be spending our money on. It's a point, uh, or yes, it, it would be great. It would be a fabulous facility for people. Yes, to an aquarium, but on the coast, so a coastal village could benefit. City bus hop on and off covers a lot of Cork City landmarks like the city hall, the jail, the waterworks, etc. To be fair, there's not much for local children or tourist families in the city, but could an aquarium be built in a city that's still waiting for a conference centre? I knew someone would say that. Not wrong, though. An aquarium like the one in Sydney, built straight into the harbour, into the structure of the harbour, like somewhere off the Black Rock Castle Observatory. That would be absolutely fabulous. Would you like to see an aquarium in Cork? Yes or no, to 83 396 96 96. and indeed more entertainment for families and children. Just more stuff to do. I've argued for years we, we don't make enough use of our harbour as a place for families and children to go and to be entertained. And I know it's cold and wet and freezing and damp and grey for months and months on end, but look at the summer we've been having, and the summer that still isn't over, if you're to believe Alan from Carlo Weather, who reckons we might get another lash of nice weather in a week or two. There should be more to do with our wonderful harbour. 0818-9696-96. Now Lisa Fingleton is the artist behind the sandwich project at the Crawford Art Gallery, which we'll talk more about that in a few minutes, because it's an interesting one. But Lisa, you also want us to start a 30-day local food challenge which you've been doing for a number of years now and that is for an entire month we would eat only food grown and produced locally good morning
4: good morning to you how are you doing <laughs> great
5: all together the idea of I know Cork is a great place for food production but I'm just thinking in my day and what I eat on a gen- on a regular day staying within Cork might be difficult
4: well the good thing now for you is that it's the island of Ireland So you can expand beyond the lovely bounds of Cork And you oh, can even come to Kerry to get some food if you wish Great <laughs> So I, I'm sure you'll be very happy to hear that But yeah no it's the island of Ireland But that's not to say that it's not difficult It is actually very difficult um, So it really is a challenge for a reason you know mm.
5: Like this morning I had a typical breakfast Couple of boiled eggs Bowl of cornflakes And a mug of coffee Now, the coffee would be a problem, I think."
4: No, you know something everybody says that to me and it's really funny because it is actually just a food challenge I had thought about doing this for years and then the, the, you know I thought oh how could I do something that's kind of like relevant around food and, and I kept thinking oh how would I survive a wine with a coffee without tea but it is just food not drink okay. like it's, it's anti-social enough now without trying to <laughs> say to people well I can't even have a cup of tea but like in terms of what you just said like the eggs like we we're lucky I suppose Peter that we live on a 20 acre organic farm so yes it's much easier well we do the Work so that's hard, but it is easier to do the food challenge when you're at home somewhere like this. Literally, I go up to the eggs, go up to the chickens in the morning, get some eggs, and um, I'll I'll have some maybe Irish oats, and, and that'll be a lovely breakfast. But um, what you said there about you know we, in the beginning when I did it first, oh my goodness, I, I I set myself the challenge of doing only Irish for thirty days and nothing else. Yeah. So there was days I nearly starved. If I was, I remember driving from Waterford back to Kerry one night, and there was nothing that I could eat. So.
5: If you're passing shops that have sandwiches in them, you're passing shops that have all sorts of things to have and there was nothing there.
4: So if you tried to eat only Irish ingredients, there'd be there probably wouldn't be any wheat in your diet because all of the wheat we import in our
5: that line uh, isn't great. We'll see if we can't clear it up, okay? I'll come back to her.
1: Access all areas on Cork's 96FM. Your guide to
2: nightlife on Leaside. Hi,
1: it's Michael here with an update on Cork's entertainment. Ireland's rapidly
3: rising pop star Lyra returns to Cork this October 28th for a hometown headline show. Tickets are on sale now for her show at Cypress Avenue from the Old Oak and at cypressavenue.ie. Access all areas. Triscoll Art Centre is hosting an exhibition at Triscoll Christchurch curated by the Cork Traveller Women's Network. The exhibition is part of Traveller Pride Week and the items are symbols of pride in the Traveller community and culture. Access All Areas. You can contact us here at Access All Areas if you have a show, play or exhibition coming up or any live streaming events or gigs by emailing us at aaa at
1: 96fm.ie Access all areas
2: with Harvey Norman and JBL, your specialists in sound this summer
5: on Cork's 96 FM. OK, I have Lisa Fingleton back, hopefully on a better line. The idea behind the, the local food challenge from the island of Ireland, Lisa, we, we've kind of understand now what that is. So you started this a few years ago. W- Why did you start it?
12: With- Looking at what was happening in the world, and I was looking at climate change and all the people. Like, there's, I think there's, like, at the moment, there's 80 million people displaced around the world from famine and conflict. And I was thinking, like, what can we do here in Ireland to say do something around biodiversity loss or climate change, etc. And and also to support local farmers because I live here on the on the west coast of Ireland in a small community, and a lot of farmers are really struggling. Yeah. So, so I guess like food is something that we all eat. And it's something that we can all do. So I like the thing, if you know when people say about, you know, thinking about the global problems, but that can be really overwhelming. So what can we do at a local level? So for me, it was like, well, what could I do that would look at food security and maybe cutting down on food waste, like a third of everything you buy in Ireland goes into the bin before we eat it? Like all those things. So I thought, well, a really simple thing would be to try and eat locally myself and see how hard that is. Like if I was to set myself the challenge of doing 30 days where I would support like local growers or grow stuff myself and see how that would be. Um, And I felt that by doing that, I would reduce waste, because obviously I'd be very conscious of the food I was eating, and also reduce air miles. You know, there wouldn't be any air miles, because literally I'd be going out and picking it, or buying it from somebody in a field a few few fields away from me, you know.
5: At the start, how hard was it to find local food, and has it become easier?
12: Um, I think it's become harder. Um, You know, I think it's actually become harder because... You know, we're losing vegetable, well, vegetables particularly, we're losing vegetable growers every week, you know, and people are finding it extremely difficult. You know, the costs are rising, water charges are huge, um, in terms of climate change, like this lovely hot weather that we all love puts vegetable growers under fierce strain and like i know farmers that they say they grow brussels sprouts at christmas and they're all ready for christmas and next thing this wind comes in destroys the crop makes it look a bit ugly and suddenly the supermarkets won't take it anymore so they go out of business and that's happening again and again so since i started there are less growers in ireland only one percent of our farms grow vegetables we're the lowest in the whole of europe i think people are always really surprised at that and only two percent of our farms a couple of years ago, two percent of our farms were organic. I don't think it's risen a huge amount; maybe a tiny amount.
5: One so, percent of all of our farms—that's all that grows vegetables.
12: That's according to Eurostats. Now it's it's getting less, so it I could be less than that now. But that was that was a few years ago when I started.
8: Nice.
12: Yeah. So like, so I suppose, Peter, it's just for me, it's just common sense. It's like we all like our, you know, we don't just eat meat on a Sunday; we eat our potatoes and our vegetables. But if we don't support the people who are growing those they will go out of business. And so a lot of people say to me, oh, but it's too expensive. And I, I prefer to buy the 49 cents carrots, which I totally understand. A lot of people are really strapped for cash at yeah. the minute. But the radical thing is that if you go out and you do actually buy the carrots from somebody locally or you do support the farmer's market, you're keeping those people in jobs and you're allowing those people to keep growing food for us. So it has a it has a massive knock on effect. And also like, if, I, I, sometimes I look at the really, really cheap food that's sold below cost. And I'm thinking... Like, if we actually think about it, how could any farmer sustain themselves growing food for that cheap? You yeah. know they're going out of business yeah. by looking at the price of the food. So I think a lot of people, especially in Cork, like there's a massive food tradition in Cork and so many brilliant movements in Cork that people are becoming aware that even if you only have a couple of euros spare a week, but if you, if you decide, look at the bit of money I have spare, I'm actually going to use it to support someone that I know is actually growing great food. And, and that that changes everything. Hmm. You know, it really does. And I suppose that's why I think the food challenge, a lot of people really get into it. You know, they start going to go to food or they find out where the food is going. Like, we have grapes growing in our tunnel. I just had a fig this morning. You know, yes. we can grow. Yeah. <laughs> very exotic. I wish I, I had wish I more figs, I'll tell you. They're easier to go than other things. <laughs>
5: Crikey. Now, c- come back to this sandwich project of yours that's at, yes. at the Crawford at the moment. I was quite shocked. I am Very partial. Very partial. To a BLT, okay? They're, they're good. <laughs> and I've eaten them in the four corners of Ireland. <laughs> but you tell me, or you tell us, that a standard BLT that I'd buy, say, at a garage has an awful lot more in it than just bread and mayo and lettuce and tomato and a bit of a rasher. What else could possibly be in it,
12: Lisa? No, it's ridiculous. I mean, if, if people are listening at home, like, have a guess before I tell you how many ingredients there are. Go on, it. tell me. <laughs> there was forty three ingredients in the sandwich that I bought in a petrol station.
5: What else could possibly be in it?
12: Come here to me. I have, I have that. Uh, I wrote a book after that called the Local Food Project, and I listed the ingredients in it. There's all sorts of mad things in it, like I, I don't even know what they are. And acid esters of mono and diglycerides of fatty acids, dextrose, pers- preservatives, palm oil, rapeseed oil. Um, there's Like, guam, 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 gum. sorry, xantham, gum. I can't even pronounce them. Like, it's unbelievable. But the funniest thing was, like yourself, you know, I went to get a sandwich. I meant to get a cup of tea. I was staying in the bed and breakfast up in Dundalk. And I put on the kettle and I looked at the back and I thought, I'm reading this wrong. And I put on my glasses and I was like, there couldn't be 43 ingredients in a BLT. And then I started doodling them out. And I thought, wow, imagine the amount of chickens that are locked up in little, small cells to produce the scale of the mayonnaise that's needed for sandwiches or people walking in, say, the Amazon who were, you know, cutting trees down to produce something to make our sandwiches. And we don't think about it. No, we don't. So that's why I was fascinated by it. And uh, the next day after eating that sandwich, I was doing a workshop with children and I thought, did you ever think about the sandwiches? And we all started drawing the different journeys of their favourite sandwiches. And I'll tell you, after two hours, we were all just shocked at how we're so connected, Peter. Aren't we? Like, we think we're just living out here on an island in the middle of the Atlantic. But everything that's in our house is connected to people all over the world. And it's up to us whether those people have good conditions to work in and produce food or not. That's why, like, fair trade is really important because you're saying, well, look, I'm prepared to pay a little bit extra to know that, you know, children are not involved in the production of this food or people are paid a fair wage so they can, you know, enhance their lives. So it's fascinating.
5: It is indeed, and, it's, and that artwork presently at the Crawford, the Sandwich Project. That's Lisa Fingleton. So try to source all the food you eat from only the island of Ireland for a week or for a month. Just try it for a day. See how far you get on. 0818 96 96 96. Here's one out of the blue when we talked about this at length during the year. Good morning, PJ, just letting you know how efficient the online passport application is. My husband applied yesterday at two PM, just arrived in the post at half ten. Thanks. This morning Crikey, that's quick. That's quick. O eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. There is a psychologist has run into a little bit of trouble of late. His name is Greg Matos. He's an American psychologist. And he said that men are lonelier than ever. Bear with me now for a second. Men are lonelier than ever because they struggle to meet the high demands and the high standards of women. He wrote a report on this. He said women are demanding in the Dayton game and men are struggling to meet those demands. <laughs> he revealed afterwards he'd gotten hate mail from other men. He claimed that men are lonelier than ever because they can't meet the high dating status of women. Gian Sullivan Belici, we've talked before, you're the sole date coach. Is he right or wrong, this psychologist? <laughs> are are women too demanding? I, I...
13: I don't think they're too demanding. I think what's happening is in the light of the Me Too movement and all the talk about the patriarchy, women are just fiercely protective right now of their independence. And they're just looking for a man who can let them know that they want to be their partner. Women are so afraid. I, I'm getting a lot of women coming to me who are afraid to even live with a man because they're afraid of being what I call like the nurse and the purse. They're afraid they're going to be doing all the chores. They're going to be doing uh, more of the emotional relationship communication work. And they sometimes say to me, they see a relationship as a second job.
5: Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> they I, do. I, I would have taught Jen and maybe I'm old-fashioned, I don't know, that in a relationship that is successful, when yes. any kind of a relationship that is successful, men and woman, two men, two women, whatever, one party brings certain things to the table, the other party brings other things to the table, and when the things match, the table's full, and it's happy times.
13: That's... Very, very well put. And I wish more people would practice that. And I do think there are a lot of... I'm not saying it always works,
5: by the way. I'm just saying that's the idea.
13: (laughs) I do think it works most of the time. I think if you could... You're right. You don't want to look at it like it's... We're doing exactly the equal work. You want to do, you know, what... Take advantage of each other's strengths and what you bring to the table. I think really what women are asking for, and men, yes, there are more men who are online than women but if men just could tweak their dating game just a little bit they could they could really have it all and all women are really looking for is someone who's willing to be their partner and to do you know to to step up and also to communicate more and show vulnerability which unfortunately men are not always encouraged to do but if they could just communicate more frequently and also just show you know their feelings a little bit more, it will go a long way for them standing
5: out. I had a friend who, who used to say that if a man got into his mid thirties and he hadn't at least had one solid relationship in his life, there's a reason. I always felt that was a little bit cruel, but were they right?
13: I think usually there's a little bit of truth in that. It doesn't mean that they're a bad egg or not. It just may mean that they have just some issues to deal with that are getting in the way of partnership. And it doesn't have to be a lot. It could just be, I know with a lot of men uh, that come to me, some of them just really lack confidence. And, and I don't mean walking around arrogant. I mean, just feeling comfortable in their skin. They like who they are, and they project that that's really the difference. So many men come to me thinking that women want, you know, bad boys. And really, it's not really the case. Women do want men who are a little more sensitive um, a little bit more communicative and then share the same values that the, the, the issue though, is if a man doesn't project confidence, a woman doesn't feel safe. And so sometimes that's really all it is. And, and making a, a little tweak like that or communicating more frequently, like with texts, you know, mm. um, that can make a big difference, just a little change. It doesn't have to mean that it's because there's a really big problem with the man. In some cases, yes, and with women, too. <laughs> there are some mm. women who need to address issues, too. But I think sometimes it's just really a minor adjustment in how you communicate.
5: I have often said here, Gian, that I would hate to be going back into the dating game. I would hate to wind the clock back and be a young man again or younger man again and be trying to date because it's a very difficult world. Is it more <laughs> difficult now?
13: It is. I, I think when you hit on something earlier with the too many choices, it can feel like that if you're spending too much time on dating apps. Uh, There was a study recently that said if you spend too much time on dating apps and you you can get overwhelmed with all the choices, and it actually helps develop a rejection mindset. And so that's what some of the people are experiencing. They're like, wow, I, I can't believe I'm getting so many rejections. And when that's happening, I think it's a sign to just maybe just spend only a half an hour a day, if if that, on the dating apps and then go live your life. Don't spend too much time on that because you want to stay as open as you can and not, you know, get too overwhelmed by um, the process. Or maybe
5: horror of horrors, Gian, Try to meet someone other than Anna.
13: <laughs> You're so right. You're so right. And. And one of the things that I coach my clients on who say, Oh, I really want to meet somebody in person. And I say, Well then you have to put your cell phone down when you're out and about and actually take the time to be present yeah. and look at people in the eye and start conversations.
5: Yeah. On screen is is not a place to meet someone, I would have said.
13: Well, it can really Tell be me, great but because not I would it's not essential at all, no, and it's really more about being present in the moment and really thinking about what you're doing and communicating, and that's really what it is. A lot of times people will will go onto a dating app and somebody reaches out to them and all they say is, hi,
5: there's yeah. <laughs>
13: no... Mm-hmm. You know, there's no effort and it just kind of feels like you're talking to... Try a few to. more
5: words you know, try a couple more, you've surely <laughs> got a couple more, you learnt a few more as a kid Gian, thank you, Gian Sullivan but each the soul date coach is it harder for men to meet women these days is it because women have higher standards or because men just are not with the game I don't know, thank god I'm out of that oh my god I don't know. Your thoughts, welcome at 0818969696. 96 96. Also, taking your votes. Should Cork have an aquarium? Yes or no? Would you like an aquarium in Cork? Yes or no? To 0833969696.
2: The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 96, 96, 96. Text or
1: WhatsApp 083 396 96 96.
2: Email opinion at 96fm.ie.
1: The Opinion Line with PJ
5: Coogan.
2: On Cork's 96FM.
5: A lot of your comments to catch up on, which I will do as many as I can between now and quitting time at 12 great to see you coming to us on all our different platforms you can call us at 0818 96 96 96 text or whatsapp or voice message 83 396 96 96 your email is opinion at 96fm.ie which is easily the best way to get us out of ours out of hours particularly overnight if you're one of the people who listens to say our podcasts our podcast of the whole show or podcast of whatever piece of the show you are particularly interested in or indeed listens to us in some strange corner of the world on our overnight highlights repeat between 3 and 5 a.m. by far the easiest way to get us is opinion at 96fm.ie See where the world and, and his mother are indeed the celebrity world and his partner or her partner excuse me is buying up West Cork Paul Meskell yeah he of the jocks and the sex scenes uh, yeah, the gah yeah, trousers and the dodgy sex scenes in normal people do you know those yeah he he and his girlfriend Phoebe Bridges they're buying a house in West Cork in in, in um, where um the Hub isn't it yeah and and What's her name? Saoirse Ronan. And she, to be starring with Paul Meskell in uh, an upcoming film, which I think is a science fiction film. I'm not too sure which January it is, but I think it is. She's also off the a place down around Skull. That is something. Property prices down there are going to go through the ceiling. If they're not there before. 0818 96, 96, 96. Sharon Hoggard wants people, women, to take photographs of themselves for Friday. Is it Sharon? Good morning to you.
14: Good morning, PJ. How are you? Yeah, Great. so yeah, Get In The Picture is Friday the 19th and it's National Photography Day so I thought that, that it would marry very well with my campaign or movement, I think we'd call it.
5: Tell me a bit about it.
14: So um, I'm um, a a fashion stylist and also um, a body confidence coach. And one of the things that I did a poll in my group was, you know, what's stopping you? What's holding you back in life? And body image and confidence came up. I think ninety-one percent of of the vote. So I kind of said, you know, that's great information, but what is it actually stopping you from doing? What are you hiding from? You know, what you know, what impact is it actually having on your life? And I was speaking to a couple of ladies. And things like, you know, women in business that weren't doing posts or weren't putting up lives. You know, they were hiding. There was people not going to events. But one of the, I think one of the ones that literally I got goosebumps to listen to was a lady, um, she was a president of an organization. And for the year, she did not get an official photograph taken right. because she didn't feel good enough. She didn't feel she looked the part. She didn't feel her hair was the right way. She'd put on weight. And I just got goosebumps saying, oh, my God, we're actually erasing our history here. Right. And that's kind of, I suppose, really what started the, planted the seed, and kind of started this movement. So, about so,
5: so, so she was lacking the confidence, even though she'd risen to be president of her organisation, which is a massive yeah. achievement Absolutely. for anybody. Completely, she, did, yeah. she lacked the confidence to allow an official photograph be taken.
14: Yes, yeah, and that's even just family. Another lady that I was speaking to since I launched the campaign, she was saying that she said if an alien came down <laughs> and looked at her life, she would be saying, um, "You know, God isn't my isn't that man a great man? He brought them to this, that, there, this holiday, that championship, this football match," and she she actually was not visible in her family's life. She was taking the photographs all the time. So my call is to get into them. Yeah.
5: That that actually, I think that is. Um very much a woman's role in a lot of families. Uh, sometimes I yes. find you have to drag. It. I mean, you know, like if you take the myself and and the queen bee and our son when we when we go on holidays. Like if you didn't drag her physically into some of the photographs,
14: yeah.
5: Come on, come on. Oh, no, I'll take it. I'll get in there for God's sake. Yeah, yeah, so
14: yeah, no, yeah, what, yeah. What's yeah, that about, is. Sharon? I do. I think it is kind
5: of. There's, you know, there's. There is
14: kind of lacking confidence. There is. Oh God, you know, if anybody's, you know, this you know it's kind of not you don't have to be perfect but there is that kind of oh, I'm not ready it's kind of you know oh, don't get me in it we've been kind of you know mm-hmm. don't get me in the photograph whatever happens I'll take it but mm-hmm. we all feel the same so you know the, the memories aren't being made and created they're just being kind of erased and you know the the I suppose the kind of crux of it is the and the irony of it is actually the more photographs we take of ourselves the more we become familiar with it and the more we become you don't have to be as perfect, whereas the less of them we take, yeah, you know, the more you're kind of going, oh, God, I have to, the hair has to be done, the makeup has to be done, or it's grand if I'm going to a wedding, but go, don't get me at the beach with the kids. You know, that, those kinds of... Which is the most natural the memories to we cherish.
5: I mean, going Absolutely. to a wedding, you're done up and all, you finery, you know, you're painted, you're, you're ready, you're powdered and, and quaffed within an inch of your life. Actually,
15: Absolutely. <laughs> that's
5: not real. Real is down on the beach, covered in sand...
13: Yeah,
14: yeah, you know, yeah. with
5: with, uh, with your your hair all bleached from the sun, that's real. And
14: they, they are, and they're the memories. You know, if you look back on a memory of somebody that you know has passed, they're the ones that are you know the standing, you know, the yeah. school photographs where yeah. everyone's yeah. kind of yeah. looking. You know, the hair is stick to the side and the uniform, the tie is straight, and they're not representative of you know the character or the person in the picture, and. You know, it's just, yeah, it's just those kind of, it's the it's the picture when you kind of see, you know, your your mother, your father, your brother, whatever, sister, and the head is thrown back, and the eyes are closed, and they're laughing, and you remember The unposed that. shot. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So, so
5: what do you want people to do on Friday?
14: So on Friday, the 19th, let's say National Photography Day, it, it's to take a picture of yourself as you are. you know, not being done up enough. You're going to a wedding, that's fine. <laughs> but, you know, this is kind of, out in the garden, at the beach, doing the normal things. Post it to Instagram, tag me, Sharon Hooker, the style coach, and hashtag Get in the picture. And there are prizes from lovely partners, um, Dervel Love Cherish, and Human and Kind. And it's just the more, as I say, the more it's called mirror exposures. So the more we see of these photographs that are normal and real, the more we'll be able, you know, the, the more we'll feel more comfortable sharing them as well.
5: Yeah. And your your slogan is a very simple one, Sharon. You are enough.
14: You are. And you're enough now. <laughs> you know, not waiting till till whatever. Till you lose the weight. Till something until 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 you are enough now. And to get in the picture.
5: All right. I look forward to dozens and dozens of wonderful photographs. I'll be following your hashtag on Friday. Sharon Huggard the style coach. Thank you. 0818 96. 96, 96. I, I gotta say I hate photographs myself. Hate I hate standing for them. I love the, the unposed one. Like, if ever I need a shot for myself, for whatever reason, I always say to whatever photographers around, catch me when I'm not looking. Catch me when I'm not looking at you, because I, I do I do I hate that. Hate it. Um, love the unposed picture. And I think, I think a lot of people do. I think they prefer the one you caught them in, or the unposed one, or the one that you, you weren't expecting. They're the, the favourite photograph. Someone says here, does anyone have a public service card or driver's license where they don't look like a convict? <laughs> you're not wrong. But someone used to say it on go, If you look like your passport photograph, you're probably too sick to travel. Mm. We have a favorite photograph in my house and it came up recently. And myself and my daughter were chatting about my dad, her granddad, who she adored absolutely adored. Her favourite photograph of all the pictures she has of him, she'd kill me for telling you this story, but it fits. On the day of her Debs, she insisted on going to see her granddad in hospital. My dad was in hospital. You know, he was on the mend, but he was still in and he he would have been with us on that day for her Debs. And nothing would satisfy her. <laughs> nothing except to go to the hospital in the Debs and the high heels in the dress, the high heels the hair, the lot the heels were abandoned in the car and we ran down the corridor in the hospital the two of us because we had to get off to the do, you know and her favourite photograph is of my dad and herself on his bed she's done up in her finery and he's sitting there in his pyjamas with his cannula in his nose and big, big, big happy smile his face. Those are the photographs that, that you keep, do you know? What kind of a photo do you like? 0818 96 96 96. Still doing those uh, votes for an aquarium, whether we should have an aquarium in Cork. Let's get some of your comments on it because there's loads of people contacting us today. Yeah, there's also an aquarium in Bray, says a caller. Didn't know that. I thought it was Galway and Dingle. Thank you. Uh, maybe there's well or, or where the Lee Bats used to be would be a great place for an aquarium. Well there's a Kingsley Hotel there now who might have a problem. but you know I don't know you're getting that. An aquarium here in Yall would be fantastic. Aquarium maybe in Fota. Absolutely needed. People from Cork travel to Dingle just to see the aquarium. PJ, why not? Aquariums can reduce the levels of stress and lower blood pressure, improve focus and creativity. That's from D. An aquarium like Sydney's built straight into the harbour. Yeah, we'd like to see an an aquarium in the city and more entertainment for the kids. Yeah, lots of people in favour of the aquarium. Some people are saying, well, there's better things to spend money on, but you know always spend things on spend money on nice things I get some more of your comments as we go through the, the next hour a lot of people suggesting admit, having listened earlier on to Claire Barrett talking about her sister Kay who's presently in jail and, and shouldn't be she shouldn't be but she is because there's nowhere else to put her she, she needs help she needs um, to be treated for her mental health issues not not put into prison but there was nowhere else for her Lots of people in on about the um, system being broken. And I see where a former colleague and, of course, friend, Deirdre O'Shaughnessy, has been tweeting overnight and since yesterday morning. Her beloved dad uh, is in hospital in in Limerick, in the ED in Limerick, and has been there now for 30 hours. 30 hours. And Kevin comes in by WhatsApp to say he woke up to see that and we're talking this morning about crisis in mental health. You have a podcast trying to raise... His podcast that he does is trying to raise funds to send a child to America. All, says Kevin, while Fine Gael lost the last election due to a crisis in health and housing. What has changed? COVID, he says, can't be used an excuse because they're talking about tax cuts. And Kevin finishes off, and this is going to become very relevant in the next few weeks as we head towards the budget which will have a tax package in it. You can't provide public services that are broken by cutting tax. Your only source of income as a state is tax. You can't fix the problems in the public service if you're going to cut tax. And we're reading a lot about tax adjustments and cuts in the budget at the end of September. And Kevin is making the point that is not the way to provide public services. Can't do it by cutting tax. It's it's a, a discussion we will no doubt come back to over the next few weeks. You've currently matched your previous score of nine
11: out of ten. Yeah. The question I asked you was: Drax and Gamora are characters in what movie franchise? You said Guardians of the Galaxy, which was a guess. Yeah. You've just won
2: yourself two thousand euros. Yeah. Lose. Oh my God! I don't believe it, Liam. What? Oh my God. I guess. What are you going to do with the money now? Drop it these. Ah, uh, drop it in. Yeah, no, I don't know. I have to spend it. Another winner. There you go. go. The two
1: grand minute. Listen to play
2: seven forty and eight forty every
1: day. Casey and Ross in the morning on Courts ninety six FM.
5: I'm talking to Sharon about photographs and taking photographs, and they were saying, "I I hate posed photographs. I can't." Polls for a photograph. It's always been a thing. And and Sarah, you've got a professional photo shoot coming up and you're, and you're dreading it. Good morning.
15: <laughs> Good morning, PJ. Yeah, I have it booked for tomorrow and the thoughts of it, it's just making me sick. But it's something I have to do for my business, unfortunately.
5: Mm. <laughs> and why are you nervous about it?
15: Appearance. Um, it's exactly what Sharon was saying. I kept trying to put it off, saying when I lose more weight or when I get my teeth fixed. Um, all of those things mm. uh, pop up in my mind, and I think that's what's kind of causing the dread for tomorrow. Um, just all of those insecurities just come <laughs> rushing in. Yeah, yeah.
5: And the photographer—is it a friend or is it a professional?
15: It's a professional. Um, I haven't met her yet. It's Claire O'Rourke up in the, the city. Okay. Um, okay. So she seems lovely and I, I'm sure she'll understand everything as well. Yeah. Uh, she's been super helpful through email so far.
5: Yeah, yeah. It is though, it's very hard to, to sit and take a formal photograph. We have to do mm. it from time to time here for say the website or, or the show or I have to do it for... I hate it, absolutely
0: hate it. Yeah, and
15: actually, like what Sharon said about, um, you know, pushing it off to a later date, that really resonated with me, because that's exactly what I've been doing. I had my website up there since 2017-18, and i mean the photo that's on it is a really old photograph and i've been really putting all of this off on the back burner but i suppose i can't get away with it anymore um so i i totally understand and another thing she said about um not taking photos of yourself often enough kind of leads to creating a bit of this and that's totally me as well i i take so many pictures of my dogs and my family but Never of myself, ever. I'm totally allergic to selfies.
5: (laughs) Oh, God, the selfies. Are you the one, Sarah, who has to be dragged in? Come on, get in.
15: Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I've been talking a lot to my friends. They've been helping me pick out outfits and things. And, you know, they're like, you look gorgeous. You look stunning. That doesn't change anything. It doesn't make me feel any bit better. I'm like, Mm. you're my friend. Of course you're going to say
2: that.
5: (laughs) And what is it that... Bothers you most when you sit there with Claire, and I know Claire; she's brilliant.
2: Uh, yeah.
5: when you, she's great and she's lovely, and she'll make you so relaxed. The picture uh, will be taken before you even know it, right? That that and that's that that's the great gift of a good photographer. But what is it when you sit or stand that you're most conscious about?
15: I think. But I'll tell now, you mine
5: in a minute if you if you tell me yours. Yeah,
15: now no, no, of course. Um, I think it. Because I've aged a bit more I feel like when I was younger I was a lot more confident And there's something now about that I'm older My face looks different I look different And I don't know is that my perception or is it reality It's very bizarre
5: Well your perception is your reality That's the thing you see
8: mm.
15: If you think yeah. it
5: that's going to happen Meet With me And I think um, I've never shared this publicly before I hate my eyes Really? Mm.
15: And ha- like, has that changed over time? Because no. I feel like my appearance has changed over time.
5: I am short-sighted. Desperately, oh. desperately short-sighted. And I wear lenses, but I have another problem. Because of my short-sightedness, I struggle to focus. Yeah. So my eyes look like I'm looking at the two sides of the room. Oh. And I hate them because of it. So hmm. you'll see me with photographs. I have loads of photographs of me with sunglasses on.
15: Well, that's a good way to get around it. There
5: you go. But for a professional <laughs> photo. So everyone's got that thing they hate.
15: Yeah. So you know, but yeah, Claire, yeah, you'll I'm... be
5: brilliant with Claire. You'll fly with Claire.
15: Oh, I, to be honest, I'm, like, I am excited to yeah. an extent, but you know to see what kind of comes back. But at the same time, I'd be so relieved to get it over and done with.
5: <laughs> Do you know what you'd say to her? And this worked. We were having a shoot downstairs a couple of years ago for the website. And I said to the photographer, I said, take a sneaky one, as well as taking the posed one. Take a sneaky
15: one. Yeah. Because I'm engaged. I I do have, um, because I I work with children professionally, so I've kind of got on board my nephew and, uh, you know, that. So there will be ones where I'm sitting down playing with him and they'll be more natural. Like, I I can see myself already. Those are the ones I'm going to be happy with, as opposed to the headshot ones. Yeah. I was at, I was recently asked to do a talk in Dubai, and they asked for a photo of me.
5: Oh, this she just really... drops this into the into the <laughs> package now, like.
15: Well this is what kind of prompted it um, so I, I sent over a photo that I thought was reasonable it was a selfie yeah, yeah. and then I saw the guy in Dubai he had his professional photo alongside my selfie and I was like oh good god like I need to man up now and get the photo shoot done and oh, look yeah. a bit more professional There's no one
5: there's no one offering me to do talks in Dubai girl you got one on me straight away Sarah good luck with it you're going to be great and it's going to be fabulous and Claire will do a wonderful job for you Sarah Murray that's a really lovely, honest call. Um you know that's someone who's worried about a photograph because of all the things they worry about with themselves, which is exactly what Sharon was saying. And I do hate, I hate bloody photographs. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Now, if you're going to be in the if you're going to be in the beauty business, uh, you need to get used to photographs uh, and that's what Searshawn sure, uh Miss World Cork, um, I, I, you didn't like photographs, is that what you were saying to, to Fiona initially? You just didn't like them, you had to get used to it.
16: Hi PJ, how are you? Hi. <laughs> I, um, I, to be honest, it took a bit of getting used to you. I think everybody has their own little insecurities and their own little things about themselves that they don't like but like I think that that's what makes us human and it makes us unique like I think that if we all just walked around loving ourselves and just looking in every single mirror and being 100% satisfied all the time it would just be boring like you know and like I think that you have to get used to it and as long as you realise that nobody actually cares, like, everybody is so worried about themselves. It's like when you walk into a gym or when you walk into somewhere for the first time, like, no one actually is taking any notice of you and as long as you feel happy in your skin, that's all that matters.
5: It's funny, actually, my mistress has a saying, she says, do you really think you're Madonna? She's (laughs) right.
16: No, but, like, honestly, it's serious because we all do it, like, we all, you know, Nervous to ask for something in the shop or uh, say something out loud, public speaking, the whole lot of it. And it's all mind over matter.
5: Yeah. Yeah. Come here. you wanted to talk to me about a beach cleanup. Now, I've been ranting and raving here about the state in which we keep our beaches or kept our beaches during the summer simply because people just leave their junk after them. You and the other contestants organized a beach cleaning event.
16: Yes, there was a beach clean event. Um, we were actually supposed to go last weekend, maybe like the Friday, but myself and Eve Mullins, Miss Cork City, were working, so we both decided to go last night instead. So we you decided go? to go to Murtaville Beach. And to where? To be Sorry, Sush, missed that. I, we went to Murtaville. Okay. And um, we were so surprised at how genuinely clean the beach was. Really? There was rubbish bins. Um, there was a big, massive rubbish bin on the top, on the ramp just before you go into the into the sandy bit and I swear the bin was overflowing with bin bags and rubbish was just put into it I was absolutely delighted to see it um, now I know we did go maybe do you know if we probably went on the Friday or the Saturday probably would have been a different story with so many people there but I don't know the locals or whoever it was that cleaned up after themselves should be really proud of themselves because the place was very clean
5: fantastic because if it's so many complaints about beaches left in a bad way that's that's a good that's a good
16: yeah what. Well, good to have a positive. Like we did find the odd you know, the odd can or the odd nagging bottle but other than that, like do you know what I mean? It was in a very, very good way. Mm.
5: Now I know with your own background, Saoirse, you wanted particularly to say something today to people working on the front line. We we have once again a crisis in our EDs. They're, They're absolutely jammers and you wanted to say something to the workers.
16: Yeah, I just wanted to say like you know, I know that people kind of think maybe COVID is gone or we can all be relaxed and stuff at the moment. But I think people actually do forget the actual stress and pressure that the healthcare workers were put under like pre-COVID and during the pandemic and now after it. And they're continuing every single day to just get the head down and drive on and work in these conditions. And they are just an absolute credit to themselves and their families and everything. Do you know what I mean? Like the hours that they work particularly the ambulance service, like someone going into that, hopefully in the future, the hours that they do, like they'll never do a 12-hour shift. It'll always be a call or they'll always, you know, have to stay the extra time Mm. and they do it because they love what they do and I just think it's absolutely so amazing and admirable and it should be recognised and celebrated.
5: Well said, well said. They're great people and in fairness, we had a few people contacting us during the week who had a long wait. One man the other night had an eight-hour wait in, in the ED but said, I don't want that to take from the brilliant work and the kindness and the decency that they were shown. And that's an important message. It's tonight is that table quiz you have, isn't it?
16: It is, yeah. It's on in Flannery's. Are you going to join me today
5: I'll see what I can do. I might swing by for an hour. You'd never know. You'd never do, know. It's
16: on at nine o'clock in Flannery's and there's loads of good prizes, food, and it's just all a bit of crack anyway. And it's all, all, right. all for charity. It's all for the Air Ambulance.
5: Alright, okay. Great cause. Oh, shock to see our current Miss World Cork. Uh... That's tonight Flannery's do you know what I might just swing around there for a half an hour for the crack 0818 96 96 96 we are still running that poll on whether you think we should have an aquarium in Cork Okay. yes if you think we should no if you think we shouldn't uh, Carrigline Basket Club would like you, to, Basketball Club would like us to know or like you to know they're holding a fundraising scrap metal collection at the weekend in the circus field in Carrigaline Friday 2 to 9 Saturday 9 till 7 Sunday 9 till 3 and they're asking you to, for their support because the club lost many fundraising opportunities during the pandemic if you have a large number of items to collect they can organise a collection so scrap metal collection Caroline Basketball Club at the weekend. That's an unusual kind of a charity fundraiser, isn't it? A scrap metal collection. Let us go back a little bit in time to early this morning, because I wanted to get through as many of your comments as possible. And I spoke with I spoke with Claire Barrett, whose sister Kay is currently in jail in Limerick Prison, and really should not be. Uh, she's there because she has, yes, she has legitimate convictions. But the reason she's got those convictions is because she's a woman in need of help. She's in need of help and the help is not there. I spoke to Claire about how that's affecting herself and the family and how, how broken the system is. My heart's broken, says this WhatsApp message, listening to Kay's story. She should never have ended up in the criminal justice system. Basically, this girl was crying out for help as she, like far too many others, have effectively been abandoned by the HSE. Limerick Prison is no place for her. It's Victorian. It's inequipped to deal with anyone with any kind of needs. Medical treatment is practically non-existent. The place has been repeatedly condemned. Listening to what Don Leary had to say, I couldn't agree more. I trained in law, working in the High Court, Where people were placed in detention, children were placed in detention for their own protection. As Don said, these are juvenile detention centres. Children with mental health issues who needed secure beds in juvenile psychiatric facilities were put in with criminals. Judges were blue in the face from lambasting the state every week for not putting the facilities there. The state has never listened. I've seen judges exasperated for having no choice but to send troubled children to places like Oberstown, where often they come out far worse than they went in. The lucky one or two might get sent for treatment in the UK or Sweden, but still they come back to nothing. The system is broken, and as Don says, the criminal justice system is the only place that deals with these children. was the wrong place for them. It's like the area where society's problems get dumped, and the important point that Don was making is that the next Kay Barrett, Kay is a woman of 42 years of age, the next Kay Barrett is in school now. And may be as young as 9 or 10 or 11 and won't be spotted in time. Oh, so much of it. Don is spot on. We had issues. I had already that one. Uh, yeah. Okay, I got through the... I think loads more. System's definitely broken. I'm struggling a lot. Can't even get to see a doctor. It's heartbreaking. The government have cut Kay off from help. A lot of people in agreement with both Claire Barrett talking about her sister and with Don, who predicts that there will be far more Kay Barretts because of the way the system operates.
1: Can we just talk?
5: The opinion line with PJ Coogan.
2: Text or WhatsApp now. Oh eight three three ninety six ninety six ninety six
1: on courts ninety six FM.
5: Yeah, I think we're just about to call a halt to our poll now. In the next couple of minutes, as to whether or not we think there should be an aquarium in Cork. I, I don't think we need we have to do too much difficult mathematics to work out the result of that poll. We'll do it for you before we finish. 0818 96 96, 96. A new exhibition uh, of artworks is about to open at St. Luke's Crypt. It's the 1st of September, which is... God, it's not long away now, lads. It's only two weeks. 1st of September at St. Luke's Crypt. Um, it's called 100 Seconds to Midnight. And it is described as a meditation on doomsday. Okay, and it's put together by the Project Twins, uh, James Fitzgerald. James, good morning.
17: Hi, how
5: are you doing, PJ? Hi, good to talk to you, sir.
17: Uh, A hundred seconds
5: to midnight. Uh, I have uh, my brother, sorry, I
17: have my brother Michael here with me as well. Oh, you're both there.
5: Oh, that's great.
17: Yeah.
5: Oh, that's marvellous. You're both there. Hello, Michael, how are you? I didn't see that you were... good, how's things? Good, good, good. So, talk to me first about your, your, your own project, uh, the project Twins uh, and a bit more about yourselves before we talk maybe about 100 seconds to midnight
17: Yeah, so yeah, we are actually twins um, we, we've we been working together for over ten since about 2010, 29 or 2009, 2010 um, we originally, we studied graphic design we originally set up say as a graphic design studio just the two of us together. And what started as kind of more graphic design stuff has developed over the years into more of an art practice and also editorial illustration and things like that. Okay. And
5: Doomsday, an exhibition built around Doomsday, is 100 Seconds to Midnight. Tell me about it, James.
17: Um. Yeah, like... There, the exhibition is going to be, it's a series of large scale paintings on tarpaulin. Um, The doomsday kind of thing, in a way, we didn't really start with the idea of doomsday. Um, It's, in a way, it's not like we're trying to, we're not trying to deal with the idea of doomsday head on. Um, It was, it's kind of more some of the ideas we were thinking about when we were making this work. So the kind of title, 100 Seconds to Midnight, which comes from The time the doomsday clock was set at came kind of halfway through the work in a way. Yeah. Um, kind of, it's kind of the history of the doomsday clock and how the idea of the clock to represent, like, in a way, we kind of think there's a kind of humour to it as well that we have a logo for the end of the world. So the work, although we're dealing with, there's some serious themes in the work. There's a lot of elements of humour in the work as well.
5: Michael tell me about some of what's in there Um, what kind of artworks are there
17: yeah so as James was saying it's it's a series of large scale paintings Um, and when we started these I suppose the influences came from um, our background in design so they're large graphic pieces uh, where there's a mix of uh, emojis and emergency signage kind of collage together to get a sense of urgency. So when we were working on these, we we kind of started a few years ago. Um, Maybe, I think it was maybe around the time Trump got elected and you had Brexit. Um, You had the rise of the right fake news. And these were issues we were working on in our editorial illustration practice. Um, But that work needs to be very direct. But then in our own personal artwork, we wanted to deal with some of the issues maybe in a less direct way. So that's maybe, I think, when those paintings started. And then afterwards, when we were thinking about the themes and the work, um, we were reading about the Doomsday Clock. And it's not that the work is about Doomsday, but there was some kind of similar links to that. So we thought that would be an interesting title to work with.
5: How old are you guys? Uh thirty nine. Thirty nine. So the the Doomsday Clock dates back to way be, way before you and way before me. i need to say, nineteen nineteen forty seven. Yeah. Nineteen
17: forty seven. Yeah. 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 It was it was it was started. Um, it's interesting how how the clock itself came about. It was actually uh, an artist who came up with the idea of the clock called Marta Langsdorf, and she was married to um, one of the physicists at the time who was involved in a project called the Manhattan project who invented the atomic bomb. Yeah. And after they realized the power of this, a group of scientists set up another group to kind of warn the public of the dangers of it. They kind of had realized uh, what, what they were after getting involved in. Um, and they set up a thing called the bulletin of atomic scientists, which is essentially a magazine. And for the first issue, uh, they asked Martel to come up with an idea for the cover just to get across that sense of urgency and she came up with the idea of a clock to use so in a way we kind of like that idea that in a way this is an editorial illustration and we also work on editorial illustration so it was a nice link for us yeah. how an artist might have came up with, with this idea of the clock and then the clock as a symbol kind of took off from there.
5: You guys are like you said, 30, 39 years of age. You've been at this for a long, long time. I'm looking at some of your credits here. You've had illustrations in The Guardian, The New York Times, Time Magazine, The Economist. Your work has been displayed in the Zuckerman Museum of Art in, in the USA. Tell us a little bit about yourselves. I mean, how long, how old were you, were you both like being twins? Obviously, you've, you've grown up together and, and were you both interested in art from the same young age?
17: Um yeah I think so I um I suppose like all kids I think are interested in now and some people continue doing it as their teenager when other interests come in. So uh, we studied graphic design here in Cork out in um CIT.
5: Yeah.
17: Uh it's what's now the Munster Technical University, University yeah, like you, yeah. Um yeah in 2000 we would have graduated in 2005 and we kind of worked as graphic designers um Uh, in kind of normal kind of graphic design type practice. And I was uh, working in Sydney as a graphic designer for a while, just the usual year kind of away thing. Mm. And we both kind of came back to Ireland in 2009, around the end of 2008, started 2009. And as you know, that was a time when there wasn't really many jobs going. And we kind of, we started working together and stuff, and it seemed to work and... We kind of our practice kind of developed from there. Um, what well, started originally is just a kind of local graphic design thing, but we were kind of always interested in more image making and things like that. So we started working more in illustration, and it kind of it kind of just took off from there, kind of thing. Yeah, and it goes in the yeah. We we're, we're just in the modern
5: world. I mean, are you based in Cork, guys?
17: Yeah, we're based in Cork. We're in a, a studio group called Sample Studios. Yes, so there's like well over 30 members, so there's a whole mix of different artists here. Yeah. yeah, we would have started, say, Sample Studios were in the old Foss building yeah. on Sullivan's Street, We're now up in Churchfield at yes. the moment, so we've kind of pretty much, we've always been based in Cork really. Yeah.
5: I guess with the kind of thing you do, I mean, graphic design, the, the digital world means that you can do, you can work anywhere from from your desk, so if you get a call from, I don't know, the Boston Globe Can you do an illustration for us guys? You know, it's it's the world is so small now.
17: Yeah, especially kind of with social media. Like, you know, there's pros and cons to it, like social media, as we all know, but like for us there's been a lot of benefits too. Like you're saying, like we've done illustrations for like most of the illustrations we do will be in either the UK or America. But half the time we've never like we've never really met them or we've a lot of times, we never even spoke to the people. An email will come in and we we'll get the article sent to us. And the illustration is essentially just emailed off to them then. And, and they're kind of quick. We, we kind of like these um, editorial illustrations. They're quick turnaround as well. Yeah. Sometimes you might have a few weeks, but a lot of the times with, when we're doing stuff with The Guardian, because it's, it's very fast, we might get the article in the morning and right. it's going to print at four o'clock. So those ones are really quick turnarounds.
5: Whoa, that's a big creative day. Let's get two cups of strong yes. coffee and a pencil and paper. Yeah,
17: yeah. <laughs> yeah, you get, you get used to it after, you like, you, you get quite used to them after a while. Um, I kind of like that quick turnaround sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes not. It depends on how fast you can come up with an idea. But, but it's good because like you were saying, we're just in a small room in Cork and do you know, you could be working on an illustration for Time magazine. It's
5: Fantastic. It's um, fabulous. That's a doctor, you could have done that it's great. Well, a
17: few years ago. You'd have to be living in New York if it was so many years ago. The exhibition, 100 Seconds
5: of Midnight, opens September 1st, runs till the 24th. Thursday to Saturday, it'll be open 11 till 4 at the St. Luke's Crypt. Uh, lovely to talk to you both, guys. Lovely to virtually, at least, meet you. James and Michael Fitzgerald, the Project Twins. 818 96, 96, 96. I want something else that's on at the moment. And I went to see it last night and I promised I'd mention it because it's wonderful. When I was a, a boy, and no, that's not 100 years ago, stop now. I read uh, a book called Letters of a Country Postman, written by the great John B. Keane. And at the Everyman, their summer show, they've turned the book, Sophie Motley, the director, has turned the book into a play. And it's got Ty Hickey, and Maddie O'Carroll and Chloe O'Reilly and wonderful live music on stage with Danny O'Mahony, And it is Danny's music, I met Sophie last night at the, the production, it is Danny's music that helps to transform the book into a play. And it's a lovely production, it's a summer production at the Everyman, runs until the 27th of August. If you loved John B. Keane as a youngster, if you came across him in school or in college or his work was ever given to you in school, you love this. I, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. It's it's just a beautiful show and I got a standing ovation at the Everyman uh, last night and it was great to see it. Letters of a Country Postman uh, starring Ty Kiki and others and runs and the music provide live soundtrack on stage live soundtrack on stage and there's a real big surprise at the end of it you love the end of it you love the end of it lovely surprise right at the end it uh, runs until the 27th at the Everyman good to see uh, a packed house there as well last night 0818969696 what have we got someone's coming to us uh, with a WhatsApp note here we go
9: PJ, will you remind them all that after two weeks of the impl- implementation of the new traffic
5: system on the keys, when you come down from Partix Quay on the Camden Place towards Christie Ring Bridge, the old Contraflow bus lane is closed there's two lanes of traffic turning right there, nobody's using it, they're all blocking up the keys. <laughs> there you go, <laughs> I'll give you the result of our text poll before we head out
2: Can
1: we just talk
5: the opinion line with PJ Coogan. Call us now
2: 0818
5: 96 96 96 on Cork's 96 FM. 71% of you love the idea of an aquarium in Cork. 28% roughly say no. There are points in there, so don't be telling me it does done that. 71% of you love the idea of an aquarium in Cork. John would like to see the Lower Dockland facility in Tivoli as the ideal spot for the aquarium. It should also have a rail station, park and ride facility and a footbridge to allow for concerts and matches at the park. Nice combination that would be, John. That's it. We're done. Thanks, Fiona. Thanks, Fergal. See you tomorrow, just after night.
1: The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM.
11: Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods